Can you guys hear me? Sorry, hold on. 32 super fans. I, I couldn't understand a word that was said. Every angle of the NFL covered. You fired up for that, man? Huh? This. We on go time. We, we still on go. Hold on, hold on. The name of the hurricane is Hurricane. This is Next Fan Up. We're live, bro. Good evening, good afternoon, hello, happy Black History Month. This is Next Fan Up, the, fan, the podcast for fans, by fans. I am James, your Eagles fan, joined again this week uh, with a rowdy group of knuckleheads and a special guest. And let me start with our long-term resident across the pond and Washington Commanders fan, Neil. Sir, how are you doing? Uh, slightly embarrassed by the name change, but uh, am I am I the special guest then? Uh, no, no, you're not. Moving on to our next knucklehead from the NFC East, Jared, our Giants fan. Uh, your team pretty much is going to be in some hot water shortly here. How are you doing? I'm doing great, actually. The huge turnaround for the front office and the uh, coaching staff, which I guess we'll talk about as well. And MJ... Our Falcons fans, sir, how are you? <laughs> I am excellent. All right. And our special guest this evening is Joy Stevens. Uh, we have her back again. Uh, in case you missed the previous show from a couple of years ago before the start of the 2019 season, uh, Joy is a diversity and inclusion consultant and life coach who specializes in employee research group creation and improvement, diversity training, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion consultant, amongst various other things with the topic we're going to talk about very shortly here. Joy, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing well, you know, trying to avoid the states where they say what I do is evil. But other than that, doing great. <laughs> that is definitely a show for another time. Um, we will get into all the... <laughs> Ragamaru of the league that happened uh, with some dude retiring Neil's team's name change, a game that's taking place a week from Sunday, some hires. Yeah, all, all that's going to be later on in the show. But first and foremost, Black History Month got started off with a bang, if you, you know, to use the best term possible right here for the colloquialism we're about to go through. Um, Former Miami Dolphins head coach Brian Flores, to the surprise of very few people, filed a lawsuit against the NFL, the Miami Dolphins, the Denver Broncos, and the New York Giants, uh, alleging, amongst other things, racial discrimination and um, inappropriate conduct and practices uh, across the board through all four named parties. Uh, immediately after he filed that suit, the NFL released a statement that said, and I quote, the NFL and our clubs are deeply committed to ensuring equitable employment practices and continue to make progress in providing equitable opportunities throughout our organizations. Diversity is core to everything we do, and there are a few issues in which our clubs and our internal leadership teams spend more time. We will defend against these claims, which are without merit. Um, Joy, I want to start with you because diversity and inclusion is your specialty, um, and the league basically is one giant corporation, the commissioners, for lack of a better term, the CEO, 
the 32 league owners are the board of directors, the coaches and executives could be middle management and the players are the workforce. Um, yeah. What is your initial take on Flores's lawsuit and the league's immediate response? Because as one of his representatives said earlier this week, the league put this response out very quickly, but they spent more time researching into deflated footballs. Hmm. So that should tell you something right there. Yeah. Um, the reason they spent so much time researching into deflated footballs is because they wondered if it could be possible. They've already assumed, may declared that this is not the case. So there's nothing to research because there's nothing to see here. You know, um, my first thought when you read that statement was, oh, my God, who wrote that? But um, I, I find it uh, disturbing isn't the right word. It's like I want to laugh and cry and shout at the same time uh, or yell, I guess is a better word, because as I hear this, I think of Colin Kaepernick. And I think of the pressure put on all of the workers, as you, as you call them, not to kneel during the national anthem. And I think of all of the vitriol that was spewed against people who tried to speak out against um, uh, racial injustice over the last few years. And then to hear them say diversity is at the center of everything we do. Center of what? So that doesn't ring true for me, but... I mean, go off. Okay, do you? Whatever you want. Fine. Uh, Jared, your team specifically named here, and at the heart of this, as far as them being named, is tweets sent between Bill Belichick and Brian Flores, in which Belichick and audience, if you're listening, you can find these the screenshots online almost anywhere. The short version is Bill Belichick assumes he's texting Brian Dayball to com congratulate him on the head coaching gig for the New York Giants. He's actually tweet, uh, texting Brian Flores, who apparently when this all took place was the Tuesday before Flores was supposed to go on the interview because he was interviewing at the end of the week. Belichick is the longest tenured coach in the league. So to say that he doesn't know anything that's going on is ludicrous. He's tapped into almost every coaching hire in the league as far as who's getting the job and sometimes earlier than the common folk know. Based on how this has fallen out for your team, your, your thoughts. Well, this is an unfortunate thing for Flores on a few things because I think that there is a potential that he – was just like they basically decided before he had did his final interview. However, there's a lot that's against him too on this, which is the fact that Mara and uh, his, the old guard for the giants actually had Flores as their primary choice because mm -hmm. as soon as judge was fired, the day judge was fired. Uh, I think it was Mara's nephew called Flores and told him they're interested. And the next day Mara called Flores personally himself and says, Hey, we're really interested in you being the head coach. Uh, let's talk about this. The issue came when the Giants actually decided who their GM was going to be, which is uh, shown from the Bills. That's when things changed, and uh, it was looking is going to be either Dabble or it was going to be um, Flores at that point. Once they actually chose the GM, and this is the first time where the Giants' uh, old guard, the Mara family, and the Tishes, and, and etc., um, 
relinquish control to an actual GM as opposed to choosing it for themselves. Um, because they are the ones who chose Gettleman. They're the ones who chose Judge and the, all the other coaches that the Giants have had over the past X amount of years where the Giants have been basically the laughing stock of the league. Um, and so they, they that, that group wanted Flores. But the new guard of Schoen and his other front office guys wanted Dabble, obviously. Um, and so we'll see what actually happens. Um, the other thing to consider is that um, as far as the Rooney rule goes, the Giants also interviewed two other coaches of color. Um, and so he's actually, so Flores is not actually necessary to hit the Rooney rule for them, but he was their primary choice for the Maras. So it's a really weird situation where the old guard wanted Flores and they were serious about wanting Flores. And I was apprehensive because I didn't want Flores as we saw in, in talking, uh, uh, on Slack and stuff for over a month now. And they hired Dabble and we'll see exactly when and that was decided and who knew, but I know for sure that Dabble didn't know himself until after Flores's interview. And it was the next day is when Dabble find out that he got the head coaching job. So we know that's the timeline. We just don't know in those like two or three days, if Sean knew or the Maras knew or who exactly knew um, whether or not it was a um, fair second interview or they kind of just made him waste his time. And so I think that's the biggest thing, but from my perspective, knowing all those facts and knowing all the time elements of everything that took place, it doesn't appear to be uh, racially um, done racially. It was done as a potentially you got kind of screwed, not because of that, but because of, the GM was a Bills guy. He chose his Bills guy kind of a thing. Joy, I uh, want to bring you back in here. To that, what do you say, considering the timeline of how, according to Flores, things played out, he gets a text from Belichick congratulating him when he meant to congratulate someone else while he still has an interview up and coming for the same position. Um, Belichick really, really messed things up for – you know, the powers that be, whoever you want to call that to be. Um, but this practice is not new. It's not uncommon. And it's not solely the, the, the property of the NFL. Every company does this where they will interview, they will have a favorite, and they will interview other people to make it look good. I, I know because I used to be a hiring manager for a Fortune 200 company. So I know from whence I speak. And the idea, and I'm glad. I'm really glad that um, that you shared some additional background on what what else, what else is happening because I've seen that too, where you have, say, a hiring panel of five people, just hypothetically, and three of them want to go one way, two want to go the other, and the decision is made, even though the first two may have been really really hype, really really excited about a certain candidate, the other three outvote them, and you know, too bad, so sad, it didn't work out. So there, this could be a very interesting um, lawsuit or, you know, what do you call it, mediation to follow. Uh, but there's so much more to his suit than just this one instance that I think, and that was my, that was a, the purpose of my statement earlier. Like, I'm, I really doubt the NFL's uh, commitment to diversity because there's so many other aspects of things that they haven't really done well at all. But this case might not be the one that, um, you know, I'm going to throw the NAACP in here because it's easy to use them as a, as a scapegoat. This might not be the one they want to hang their hat on 
because it might not go their way, but there's so much more. It'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Now, this idea of, you know, Belichick texting, keep your mouth shut. Like, I'm just being very honest. He had no reason or right to be texting a potential hire and saying, congratulations, good luck, whatever. Mind your business. And if he had not, this probably wouldn't have come out at all. Um, but, again, if you're going to make decisions and you're hiring, especially at this high level, this high visibility, everybody knows what's going on. They've been talking about the candidates and the potential for so long. Just wait. It's okay for you to wait. You don't have to let people know, especially let the candidates know, that you know what's going on. This was an ego move for Belichick, and it backfired in the most disastrous way possible. Um, but that doesn't mean that this doesn't happen all the time. Now, with respect to the Rooney Rule, I do think that there is something to that because, I, again, using the backdrop of corporate America, multiple industries, entertainment, um, manufacturing, retail, whatever you call it, I see this a lot where there are lawsuits of wrongful termination or of um, discrimination practices when it comes to hiring where there's, all, there's a great pool of candidates that all get you know, we'll say entry-level interviews, but somehow all the candidates of color fall out after a certain level. And the phrase is, you know, not qualified, not enough polish, just didn't feel right, just not the right fit. Very subjective, very hard to prove, but very hard to disprove as well become the reasons that you don't see faces of color at higher levels. Um, and the same thing could be happening here because, you know, systemic discrimination, embedded bias is not the sole property of the NFL. Everybody does it. Right. So it doesn't surprise me at all. And speaking of the Rooney Rule, we've pretty much talked about that ad nauseum every offseason, especially this time of year during the coaching cycle, uh, where we're trying to see of any number of anywhere between five to ten vacancies become available, which uh, African-American candidates or candidates of color are getting legitimate interviews. And MJ, I want to bring you in here um, as the other person of color on this panel uh, who is a fan of a team for the show. How much more tweaking do you think can be done? Because part of the suit that Flores brought um, has ideas to pretty much affect the way the search is done. In the past, when the Rooney Rule was initially instituted back in 03, it was you must interview at least one candidate of color. Uh, Roughly two years ago, it was expanded to that all clubs with a coaching vacancy or a front office vacancy must interview outside candidates. For coaches, you have to interview two candidates of color outside of your uh, organization and for front office personnel, at least one outside of your organization. And that was done because teams were pretty much holding token interviews and in some cases interviewing unqualified people and this is true audience you can look this up um a cook someone on the catering staff of one franchise was interviewed for the coaching vacancy because they were a person of color uh mj your your thoughts on how changing the rooney rule can work or you know whether teams even respect the rooney rule at this point personally i don't think teams respect the rooney rule um i thoroughly applaud the spirit of the Rooney Rule. I like what it's supposed to do, but I don't believe teams honor the intent of the Rooney Rule. Um, 
I don't think anything is going to change until there are more black owners. I'm sorry, until there's at least a black owner in the league. Um, to me, that's the only thing that's going to make this any better because on its best day, hiring in the NFL is cronyism all across the board because what were we just saying about uh, the Giants head coach? He brought in his boy from, was it New England, I think? Uh, Bills. Buffalo. So Buffalo. Buffalo. Yeah, the, Buffalo. the general manager. And, and, we, and then, yeah. we, we spoke about that last week as well, that the teams that had coaching vacancies and GM vacancies hired their GMs first, their coaches second, because mm-hmm. the GM they hired already had a coach in mind. Right. The other, Typically, not the, one of his – go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say um, also to, to uh, um, another thing, especially with the Giants in particular, and, and also a couple other uh, teams, is the owners themselves. There's so much nepotism along with the cronyism involved mm-hmm. in these organizations. Mm-hmm. Like especially for 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 the Giants, where you have little, like four family, five family members, all that are front office staff, and that's literally been the reason why the Giants have had so many issues in the past X amount of years since Reese left, and now they finally gave away the reins to shown and to someone else. And then they hired dabble and then the Flores things comes, it comes out. So it's like a whole terrible like situation for the giants in particular, in terms of that, from an optics perspective, not necessarily from a right or wrong perspective. Now, now the fact that I'm saying cronyism does not remove the racial bias issue because let's just be honest about it. The giants haven't been, a quality franchise for a while. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful manner. I mean that just looking at the record. They haven't really been quality for a while. If the Giants organization wanted to, they could have still hired Flores to get some good publicity and to kind of be, I don't want to say they would be touting themselves as one of the the more evolved franchises because we've got a black head coach, but it would have done a lot to put a little bit of polish on this pig that we're sitting here talking about. Um, But again, they decided not to, they went with cronyism. And in this instance, they're going with cronyism is exposing the larger racist issue that goes on in the league. Um, But I'll go again and say, the only thing that makes this better or gives black head coaches a legitimate shot is black ownership. That's, that's, that's what it's going to take. I don't think any amount of public embarrassment is going to mean anything because if we go back to Kaepernick, everything that Kaepernick was bringing forth in his silent protest on the sideline, everybody shunned him for, or no, I'm sorry, not everybody, the ownership shunned him. And then what happens just a few years later, now there's all this branding across NFL uniforms where they've got hashtag BLM and hashtag into police brutality. To the NFL, it's just publicity. They don't care. It's my opinion, I should say. They don't care how much public embarrassment they get over something because they're going to find a way to spin it and later turn it into a hey, we support this. You just went about it the wrong way. And I have a feeling that's the spin they're going to put on this because they say that diversity is at the core of everything that they do. 
we've got one black head coach in the league. We've got one black president of an organization in the league. If the league cared about diversity, we wouldn't need the Roney rule. So yeah, I, again, I applaud the spirit of the Roney rule, but I really, I truly believe the league just looks at it and says, all right, somebody go find me a black guy to interview. All right, we filled our quota. All right, where's the other coach that we really wanted? I truly believe that's what goes on in some of these meetings. Neil, uh, the rep, as a representative here of a team that is, you know, never shied away from bad press over the last 10 years, um, your, your take on the overall situation as far as just the Rooney rule, Flores' suit, it, it, any attempt at possible change going forward in the NFL? Yeah, I think uh, there's a few things here for me, James. First of all, I feel like I'm representing the rest of the world. So uh, that's uh, that makes me feel good for a start. Uh, I, James, I think uh, MJ, MJ kind of got it half right for me there, but he also missed a, a crucial element, which is uh, uh, I feel you're spending far too much time. And I know it's a thing that lives in your country. Uh, it doesn't live here so much, uh, but you're talking about black and white and you're only dealing with half the picture there really for me uh, because I think diversity also includes women. I think diversity, it also includes uh, sexuality. I, I think, uh, you know, we, we should be in an organization like the NFL. With the, 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 we, we, should have, we should have gay people uh, in charge. We should have uh, uh, different, not just black and white owners, but we should also have uh, owners uh, like Shad Khan uh, who, who are, again, of a different uh, different background. And, and we need to widen that picture. Uh, the world is not black and white. The world is is all different colors. It's all different sexualities. It's male, it's female, it's uh, LGBT, it's all these things. And until we start to open that to a, into a wider picture, then we will never, oh, you will never answer that question because you're speaking about it on way too limited uh, a basis. Now, and, and, and that's just, that's, that's, I would say that's a view that would be shared here in, in Britain, for example, that uh, all minorities, whatever it is, race, ethnicity, uh, sexuality, whatever it is, uh, they're all as, as equal and as and as important as, as the other. Uh, what I would say about the Giants, if the Giants want to become a despicable organization and the, the leader of that in the NFC East, you've got a long way to go, Jared. Uh, my team are... <laughs> well ahead there in that in that area uh, i mean the Washington... hope, yeah hold on let me finish because i've been sitting here it's, it's 25 past one in the morning i have to listen <laughs> to huge jabronis for the last 25 minutes uh, so i would say james that uh, the, one of the first things i would want to say here is congratulations to flores because he has not only lifted his head above the parapet uh, to be shot down, which he will be shot down at some point, no doubt. Uh, but he's also put his own career <clears throat> at, at risk uh, for 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 that of others who, who will follow, and uh, that has to be applauded uh, by everybody, regardless of of what you feel about uh, his case. And if I can put my my law degree hat on for a second, I would say his case is extraordinarily weak. Uh, he's going to need other people to come out and support him. Uh, if that if that case is going to get anywhere, because there's actually very little proof here, it's uh, it'll all come down to his word against the others. And and of course, if you're asking me off the record, <laughs> I believe Flores absolutely. 
because I think we all kind of know deep down that what he's saying is absolutely spot on. It's absolutely correct. Uh, Joy was talking about uh, hiring people. I hire people quite a lot, and uh, and, I, and I see this going on, uh, not not with uh, not the color of skin, but people's individual preferences uh, because they know a candidate or whatever, and and that happens all the time. I mean, that's that's just a fact of life that we all know. Uh, the problem here, of course, for the NFL is that uh, when you're a big organization like that, you have to also you also have to have that moral responsibility to society because people look up to the NFL. They look up to the players, look up to the league, they look up to the uh, the commentators, everything to do with the NFL. People look up to that as a sort of like a guiding light to how society should be. It's a representative of society and it has a responsibility to society to act uh, really if they can at the highest moral moral level and they fail so often on that but i hope other people come out and speak up because uh, flores's experience uh, will absolutely certainly not be the only one and i and i hope that does happen because he will need that support but i've got to say mm-hmm. i have uh, i don't care if flores is the greatest coach in the world or the worst coach in the world for me he's a he's a fine man who is uh, who has taken a stand here which hopefully will pay off down the line. Uh, Neil, right? Hey, Joy. Hey, you. I 100% agree with everything you just said. Um, everything, especially the point about diversity, more than just a binary color yeah. system, Joy, black and Joy, white. If I, yeah? before, you go, before you go on, I would just say, I'll just point out, that's because I'm the intelligent one here. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> and there we go. Uh, please continue, Joy. Also, my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Joy. You were saying? No, I was just saying, and Annie's also my favorite. I think um, everything that you said, every nuance of what you're talking about, and even the point, because I agree with you. Like that's what I meant when I said this isn't necessarily what. Um, hypothetically, the NAACP would want to hang their hat on because I do think his case is going to be very hard to prove alone. But to your point, if other people come out, because he made it a class action, so if other people come out Mm -hmm. and they start to speak up, there could be some real change. And just going back to what MJ said about black ownership, um, I don't think that having black owners will, or or owners of, of, uh, or women owners or owners from the LGBTQ community, I don't think that that will just like change the flavor of cronyism, I think it will make things more uniformly objective. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the goal in any organization is to have objectivity without the cronyism and the nepotism and the I want to get my friend a job here type of things that goes on. If the best candidate is picked, then nobody has a problem because it's easy to see this is the best candidate. But if the questions swirl around, oh, well, I brought my homeboy with me from this other place, then I mean, if we have, say, 30% black owners and we end up with black cronyism, that's no better than what we have now. It's just a different mm-hmm. flavor. And so I'd like mm-hmm. to see objectivity across True. the board. True. Yeah. Yep. That's a great point, Joy. It's a great point. Uh, now, in the room, but from, I'm sorry, go ahead, James. No, go ahead, go ahead, uh, MJ, before I jump in. No, what I was going to say was to speaking to Neil's point about there needing to be other coaches. Um, an interview that I saw either earlier to, between today and yesterday, there are potentially two, as of right now, the, the reports that there are potentially two other coaches who believe they have enough evidence to join in on this lawsuit. So far, I haven't seen it revealed as to who those two are, 
but there is talk of other people joining. So right now it's technically only Flores, but it looks like we'll get some more people joining in. It's just, are they at a point where they're willing to potentially jeopardize their coaching future the same way Flores has? And to that point, MJ, I'll say that one of those is most likely Hugh Jackson. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, because he he, was, yeah. he he was on Sports Center last night yeah. um, talking about similar situations that Flores um, talked about with Miami, which we'll get into shortly, uh, in which the teams wanted him to tank uh, because of you know the length of the plan and what they had going on and everything of that nature, and you know agreeing with a lot of the processes and things that Flores discussed during his interview process. Jackson admitted he went through similar instances as well. Uh, the lawyers for Flores also stated when they were making the circuit on uh, Wednesday, yeah, Wednesday morning, um, when they were hitting the rounds for different news shows, um, that they have talked to 40 former coaches um, who have experienced similar things because black coaches do talk. The coaches, the coordinators, whatever, they get together privately. They have candid conversations about their interview process. What happened to them? You know, what were some things that stuck out? What seemed off? Uh, to, to think that, you know, they're just going to sit back and be quiet permanently is a bit nuts. I mean, after a while, you know, it gets to the point, and I know this was a question that was asked um, of Marvin Lewis because he was interviewed as well because he admitted that, you know, he went through something similar as well, that after a while, if your name is one thing for your name to be up for two or three positions, but after a while, when it seems like your name is pretty much the only name being touted around every position that's open, you then start to wonder, am I the token interview? Like, am I the interview to satisfy the Rooney rule and they're not interviewing anyone else? Mm-hmm. And I, that was part of the reasoning why the the league expanded the rule to two candidates outside the organization instead of one, because if it was one, everybody would interview the same person with no intent to hire them whatsoever, just to check the box and say, we've interviewed this person. Um, this James, can I, James can, I just add, can I just add one more thing? I was, I was thinking about the ownership there that MJ was talking about, the owners. And so I think there's another part of the ownership, and I don't want to sound ageist at all on, the, on this podcast, but one of the – Well, one of, one of, the, one of the, the, the issues with the ownership is also the age of the ownership, and mm-hmm. not, not just the color of the ownership, but the age of the ownership. Uh, I, I don't know about you guys, but, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm – I'm just turning. I just turned fifty, and uh, my parents uh, in their mid seventies, and their their attitudes towards members of society and different minorities in society are way different to mine because they they've lived a different uh, a different time. And I think uh, we we struggle in the NFL with uh, with a lot of old owners who maybe are not quite. Uh, up, up with the sort of the, the times, if you like, and I think one of the things that would help in the NFL was to have a much younger profile of ownership. Now, of course, becoming a young billionaire is becoming an old billionaire is hard enough. I'm sure becoming a young billionaire is uh, is even harder. Uh, so, but I think that would is certainly one thing that would help too is a, is a is the age demographic at, at the senior sure. level in the NFL. And, and Neil, you know, to that point, to, to, oh, go ahead, Joy. 
That's uh, not to say that, you know, you can't teach, uh, uh, you know, old dog dog new tricks. tricks, (laughs) I saw an article, I skimmed an article where Jerry Jones, of all people, was like, well, you know, there is a problem. We kind of all know about it. Mm -hmm. It could be better. I was surprised that he had that progressive of a thought Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. coming from being born in Texas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, really? Okay, Jerry, I'm, I'm a little impressed with the fact that you even considered this. So people can change. Um, you know, people can learn or unlearn, uh, you know, bad behavior from their past or, you know, what they may have been taught. Uh, but you're right. It's more prevalent and easier to unlearn if you're only 50 or 40 than 70. I think I would. Uh, I think you're right, Joy. I think I would. But with with Jerry Jones, I think I would. I would like him to really detail what he means by change, rather than because uh, <laughs> you never quite know that could. That could never, be a bad yeah, thing you're right. To, yeah. Wait, you're <laughs> saying his son, know. his son's not qualified to run the team? Is what you're saying? He's not the best choice. Uh, uh, that that's pretty much what everyone knows. Um, I want oh, yeah. to get to this aspect. Also, here. just just to look at the ages, okay. I just did a quick search. The average age for NFL owners is 69 with seven of the owners being over 75. So yeah, there are a lot of perspectives in that age range that some of them probably could change. I'm not sure how much money I'd be willing to bet on a lot. I would like to, sorry, MJ. I would like like to ask Joy a question if that's possible, James. Go go ahead, Neil. Uh, I mean, I would like Joy's perspective on I, I okay. I I have a team of thirteen people that that I manage currently, and twelve of them are women, and there's one man, and that's, there's no particular reason for that. It's just the way it is. Uh, but I know that having a mix of male and female in the workplace, uh, mm-hmm. it's probably it's probably a good thing to have that mix of different, you know, different people, different whatever. And I wonder what Joy's opinion is of the NFL when you look around at the senior positions uh, there are very very few uh, from the coaching staff right up through the uh, the front office and into the ownership uh, realm and chief executives and all the rest of it there's very few women there and I I wonder what Joy's view is there about uh, about how women could also change that okay so I do think that having more women in leadership positions across across all of the franchises would help the issue with not only with, you know, women maybe not recognizing or, or wanting to be in that, in that arena. It's not because they, they don't know. It's not because they don't know football. My best friend is a Bengals fan and she's super excited right now um, for the first time in her life. But um, I think one of the issues is not necessarily qualifications or opportunity. It's the environment. And we all know there's been a history of aggressive, borderline assaulting behavior when it comes to women reporters in the locker room, um, women on the field, on the side, you know, the things that they're subjected to. And imagine having that be part of your daily life as a part of an organization. Um, We can't pretend that it wouldn't happen. And having a hostile environment going in is sometimes more than the average woman is gonna wanna put up with just to be a pioneer in certain areas and then god forbid something actually happened to her then it's her word against somebody else's it's a ridiculous thing it's a lot of it's a lot of emotional work and a lot of hyper vigilance and you know 
potential PTSD to want to put yourself through in order to bust through those ranks and get more women in there. Like if we could get, say, a few at a time so that they would potentially have each other to lean on, that might be one thing. But just one here and maybe one on the other side of the country, um, what they're going to go through just to be there probably precludes them from even applying. And Joy, are, are there are there women out there who um, who are trying to, to to it's a glass ceiling, isn't it? Really, and and uh, are yeah. there women trying to break through that? How how is that with American sports in general? Is it it's something where where uh, there are women there, they're just not getting the opportunities to. Uh... Yeah, slowly but surely, you're seeing more women across all sports um, mm -hmm. be more involved in what we would call, you know, traditionally male dominated mm -hmm. or male run sports. They're being um, given chances. And I think that's another issue when we talk about ownership. It's not like people other than straight white men over 50 have tried to buy teams. You know, they've been they've been met mm -hmm. with different resistance, different, oh, we're not selling or I'm not going to sell to you. You know, so that does cause another barrier. But I think um, representation matters mm -hmm. in every aspect of life. And so when you don't see any women on the field, on the sidelines, you know, as a defensive coach, whatever, you don't think that's something you can do mm. until you see one. And the one that you might see, what she will have gone through to get there might be more than the average person can bear, which is why we always champion and celebrate, you know, the first woman uh, owner or the first woman coach or the first woman coordinator, whatever it might be, or the first woman quarterback, you know, you never know. But mm. um, to have that happen gives every other woman the – green light so to speak to mm. say oh she did it maybe i can do it too and i guess uh, Neil, be before you okay. go on I, I do want to point out and, and piggyback on what joy said okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, For those who don't know, the, the uh, leader of the NBA Players Association is a woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. a, a black woman uh, on top of that um, in the NFL I do know Neil your team the Buccaneers mm -hmm. and I think one of the franchise have women as position coaches mm -hmm. on, on their squads um, there are I believe now three or four women who are referees mm -hmm. uh, full-time referees in the NFL as well and I, I want to say at least five franchises have women who are, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? They 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 are the uh, they are in charge of uh, PR for their respective franchise. I believe it's five teams. It may be more. Um, I because I, mm -hmm. I know the Eagles um, PR coordinator was interviewing for the 
Vikings GM spot um, before uh, Kwesi got it last week. So I think the Niners are a team that has uh, a few, uh, woman on their coaching staff, and I think the Bills were as well. Well, and yeah. the Giants just hired one as the director of coaching operations. So I'm the, glad to hear these different position titles because one of the things that you see in corporate spaces in the United States a lot is they'll have, say, uh, a woman on the executive board, you know, executive vice president, and it's usually HR. Like mm-hmm. HR is like where you put your <laughs> senior woman. And so I'm glad that I'm hearing more than just public relations or social media or whatever for the women's mm. position. So that's that's a very good hallmark. Mm. All right. So I, I want to get back to Flores for a few points here um, while we continue our discussion. And that is something that I was digging up as far as his lawsuit in particular. The Falcons, Cowboys, Jaguars, Rams, Patriots, Saints, Giants, and Titans have all never had a black head coach or a coach of color in their entire history of, of existence. Um, to the point of Flores' suit, the NFL players, roughly 70, 75% African-American, um, 15.6% of the coaches are African-American. We know that there are two other minority coaches, Rivera in Washington and Sala with the Jets. Uh, 42% of the assistants are African-American of the general managers. Uh, 15% are African-American 16% of the vice presidents um, and 20% of the overall senior administration across the league. Now, something that was brought to a point this week as well in the midst of the discussion of how do we change things with the NFL was despite the league's, lack of sensitivity and and their ignorant swiftness in putting out that statement that most of this falls on like you all said the owners and the front office and yeah there are several teams Jared your team in particular the um well soon not to be the Bolins with the Broncos but I know the Steelers with the Roonies for who the rule is named after and um I'm trying to think of, and the Jones family with the Cowboys where those teams are owned by the families. We're pretty much the most senior member of the family makes all the decisions. And Jerry, like you said, it's not uncommon to see a lot of the adult members of the family in front office positions or run around making decisions. That bit of nepotism, how do, can we get away from that? Or is that just something that's going to happen regardless of if there's expanded racial, like if, if racial diversity across all positions, coaches, front office personnel, owners, if we get to more of a balance where to where it's not just all old straight white men, um, is nepotism still something we'd have to worry about? Uh, Joy, I want to start with you on that one. <laughs> I mean, nepotism, the entire royal courts of like every European monarchy is nepotism. So, I mean, the roots run deep. And the reason I bring that up is it's a human nature to want to see people that you are close to, mm-hmm. that you're related to do well. And if you have the power to help them do that, um, it's almost irresistible to use that power to help them. So nepotism will never die. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, there are ways to control for it by limiting the number of people in a certain family that can 
even if they're owners, um, and this would be something that the NFL as a whole would have to do, only so many people that are blood or marriage related to the owning family can be employed. That's one way to, to cut back on it. Um, having more neutral panels do your hiring instead of leaving it up to the same group all the time where you end up with, uh, you know, a different setup than you would if it was truly objective. But that's another way to get to more objectivity. And objectivity is the best way to reduce nepotism, cronyism, any of the other like favoritism type things that happen is to give it to a relative stranger. You know, if you're looking for skill sets and expertise and experience, the you could take a panel where it's two people from the Bills, the Bengals, I'm just naming people, you know, the Cowboys, and, you know, the Falcons, and have them be a hiring panel for the commanders. You mm-hmm. see what I mean? Mm-hmm. They would freak out. Everybody would be like, hell no, but that is an option. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I think a, a way around nepotism is, is, is also that sort of, uh, over here we would say declare an interest. And I think, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, if, for recruitment, James, uh, we would never have anybody sitting on a recruitment panel who who could be accused of nepotism uh, at all, and that, that's kind of one way around it. Although, just like uh, like Joyce says, I don't think uh, nepotism isn't isn't uh, isn't related to color of skin at all. It's uh, that's no, just, it's, it's, it's kind of human nature. I think Joy mentioned it earlier on when she said, you know, if it was a if it was thirty two uh, black owners, then it might just be flipped. Who knows <laughs> these this, these sort of issues? So it's uh, no, I don't think uh, I think nepotism. Yeah. You have to, there's ways around it, and you you can try and 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 make people declare interests and so. But uh, it's also it's also a tricky one to get around. You need you need you need kind of James. You just need good people making make, making good decisions, and and uh, mm. uh, that's not always easy. But uh, uh, you have to try. You, know, that. you need like you need an accountability partner. And it, yeah, absolutely. if you remember, I can't remember the guy's name. The Kenny Smith, maybe he was a Houston Rockets player. Years ago, and he had an addiction issue, and he hired someone to follow him around and make sure that he didn't fall off the wagon. That whole, that person's whole job, don't let me get high. That was it. That's all you had to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I talk about addiction being, you know, being addicted to power, addicted mm-hmm. to favoritism, if you have an accountability panel, accountability partner that says, hey, what you're doing is disadvantaging other people, you're not being objective, you're playing favorites. And, you know, and, and to accept that feedback and say, okay, thank you. Appreciate that. I'll do my best not to do it. It can maybe help eliminate some of that too, you know, but mm-hmm. again, um, having someone point out your faults is extremely uncomfortable yeah. for any human. And, and also when you're, when you're, when you're a billionaire, you're not used to people telling you no. No. Right. That part. Yeah. yeah. All right. So I want to get into, the parts with so we covered the league we talked about the giants the parts about the dolphins and the broncos and again the broncos is probably the one part that's not going to go anywhere because that's really a he said he said um thing going on there we'll get to that shortly but let's delve into what's being alleged here against the dolphins and i have a piece of the suit here and, and this for me was the most damning part of what he said about the dolphins um, and it says at the end of the 2019 season, Mr. Ross began to pressure Mr. Flores to recruit a prominent quarterback in violation of league tampering rules. 
Mr. Flores repeatedly refused to comply with the improper directives. Undeterred, in the winter of 2020, Mr. Ross invited Mr. Flores onto a yacht for lunch. Shortly after he arrived, Mr. Flores, Mr. Ross told Mr. Flores that the prominent quarterback was, quote, conveniently arriving at the marina. Obviously, Mr. Ross had attempted to set up uh, a purportedly impromptu meeting between Mr. Flores and the prominent quarterback. Mr. Flores refused the meeting and left the yacht immediately. After the incident, Mr. Flores was treated with disdain and held out as someone who was noncompliant and difficult to work with. That, th that section right there, along with his statements of ownership telling him to tank games, and stop winning because you're costing us draft position. Mm. Tampering and, and messing with the integrity of the game. And, and we're going to stick with integrity of the game because Hugh Jackson alleges the same thing that that two year stint where they went one in 15 and then 0 and 16 the next year, he was told to lose games. Um, even though he tried to, to coach that team as best as possible to try to win yeah, look, because to be they fair, were trying he, to get, you know, they would all both, <laughs> both, yeah, both teams are trying to stock draft picks. Yeah, and Neil, but, you're, you're but a draft be, Nick. Yeah. But to like, be fair, to be fair, James, Hugh Jackson never had a problem in losing games. It's true. <laughs> but he didn't have this problem in, in with the Raiders. Remember he had a winning record with the Raiders. <laughs> That's fair. And, and then he came to Cleveland and I mean, did you, look, did you, you, did you, you do you, need talent to win. Don't, don't get me wrong. You, yeah. you can't coach. 50, 55 guys on a roster who pretty much more or less either shouldn't be starting or shouldn't be in the league and, you and expect to win many games. If you don't mind me saying, James, I think you glazed over a key point there in, in, in your little uh, in your little introduction to this this particular subject, and that was the uh, the very uh, interesting and very uh, common tactic of uh, of isolating an employee. Which yeah. uh, they did with Flores there, and, and all this, you know, couldn't work with him, and he was a bad, bad atmosphere, and all the rest of it. You know, that's a, that that is a, almost that's almost telling me that uh, Flores is right in this instance because that's a that's a very well well worn tactic to try and uh, free uh, somebody out. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's very very obvious, I'm afraid for for my Jared. Own. You would Jared. Were you trying to say something as well? No, I was, I was just listening. But I can offer my opinion if you want it. Please. No, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that if uh, the allegations about uh, the Dolphins owner are true um, and the ones about the Browns owner are true, I think that the league has no other option but to remove them from ownership or at least remove them from any kind of uh, interaction with the team. And we've seen this happen in other uh, sports and – even within the NFL um, a bit with uh, Neil's team where they kind of like take the owner aside and they're like, Hey, you can't be in charge of football operations anymore. Or you can't do this or you can't be a part of the NBA. You can't own an NBA franchise anymore because of what you've done. Um, I mean, I, I think I, that, I, yeah. What? Uh, Jay, I, I like your sentiment. I think that we all kind of feel that, that it's just not kind of part of the game, but proving that is almost impossible. Well, the one way that they can prove it, which unfortunately in Flores's case, it sounds like it wouldn't happen as if they had the, uh, the bank account information of seeing hundred K hitting his bank account, but he mm -hmm. said he didn't. But however, if Hugh did take money, Hugh could easily prove that by, I mean, he'd have to obviously show like, Hey, I, I, yeah, I did tank on purpose. 
and I, I made this get... much money, but yeah, which I hurts can... him, but it would take down the yeah. take down the owner, which so yeah. I can guarantee you Hugh will never do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So I mean there's there is that way to prove it beyond a shadow of a true, doubt. But true, true. Other than that, I mean the the other thing that we haven't really uh talked about exactly is um how all of these meetings with uh with coaching uh hire, potentially hiring a coach and stuff go everything's supposed to be required to be recorded by the mm -hmm. nfl and then goodell can go back and ask them to see any kind of any kind of transcript or anything from any team to look at it so mm -hmm. i my understanding would be that there probably will be an investigation and goodell's going to ask for information from the giants the broncos and at this point from what we've heard from other stuff the browns the dolphins all these teams and then they'll choose what they want to release or not they might release some more gruden emails and mm -hmm. be like hey nothing else happened okay. but i mean we will see isn't uh, i mean i'm not an expert in the are you other american sports but i'm not right right in thinking that in basketball uh, tanking is uh, tanking is kind of uh, accepted um, Not eh, no, because remember, I don't know how much you pay attention to basketball, Neil, but um, shoot, I just forgot his name. Uh, Mark Cuban admitted that he tanked at one point. I forget when he did it, and the league fined him six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars for openly admitting to tanking. So on paper, tanking is definitely not uh encouraged but i wouldn't be the least bit surprised if you know unwritten rules are eh, maybe we won't do so good this year i mean but tanking does happen in the nba purposefully oh yeah absolutely i mean absolutely. yeah on paper it's frowned upon but everyone knows what is happening when you look at what the sixers did for basically a five-year span of stockpiling number one picks yeah. um and if you happen to say something about it What's a six hundred million dollar, or I'm sorry, what's a six hundred thousand dollar fine to a billionaire? Mm. Nothing. Five dollars for lunch for the rest yeah. of us, right? And yeah. not, and on top of that, even going looking at just like the NFL itself, you have like James's team definitely tanked that one game uh, at the end of the year. I know that draft speak of <laughs> for that better draft position like you obviously can't prove it but we all saw what happened and you're like okay, yeah uh, indeed, indeed there was no so reason I mean, to pull the quarterback at halftime for that yeah yeah and i mean so you see that in the nfl too like and i'm sure you like if people actually like fine tooth combed went back and looked at different things and looked at different things like wait why did that team do this or do that um they'd be like oh wh why, why did this team not throw the ball in the second half like that's really weird oh you mean like, like your team taking knees on entire that, drives <laughs> I mean, that was just Joe Judge being Joe Judge. That was bad. That was that was him blowing up and saying, "I don't want this job anymore." Yeah, and, and, and to your to your point, Jared. Yeah, teams in the NFL do it in a more sophisticated way. If a player pretty much has a sprained wrist, it's elbow tendonitis. He's on the injury report and he's out this week. You know, and it's like, wait, he he was fine last week. He he looks perfectly fine on the sideline. What do you, what do you mean he's hurt? So yeah, th there's sometimes an exaggeration of injuries. Um, to keep star players specifically from playing to hinder a team's ability to win. Um, you know, and that unfortunately tests the mettle of a head coach and winning in spite of so many players being out is a testament to the coach sometimes, you know, especially yeah. when you get a, a, a ragtag group of players who otherwise wouldn't win, do find a way to eke out victory. Um, and, and unfortunately, that that's the situation which coaches of color 
tend to find themselves more time than not. Uh, something I was looking at, the minority coaches who were hired since the inception of the Rooney Rule, with the exception of maybe about four or five coaches, the majority of them only get three years. And no yeah. matter what their record is, after three years, they're out. And I, and I already mentioned, what, seven, eight teams who've never had a minority head coach. I, I feel yeah. like, enjoy. I want to ask you this because this may go to a little bit more of HR. For the teams that have only had one head coach of color and so far only two teams, I believe the Jets and uh, I'm trying to remember the other team. I think the Jets and maybe the Raiders have had three coaches of color. Mm-hmm. Um, but for all the other teams who pretty much mostly only have had one head coach of color, it, could it be the thing where it's like they had the coach for whether it's one, two, or three years, and they refused to even consider another coach of color going forward because they've been there, done that, and they don't want to do it again for whatever litany of mundane reasons that to the outside look asinine? In a word, yes. Um, I think to expand on it, um, you really, she's asking me a really, really complex question because uh, you have to break down into like the insidious nature of like systemic discrimination, white mm-hmm. supremacy versus out, like, outright like violent racist acts. A lot of people will say, I'm not racist, and they're not, but they still held white supremacist ideals. And combining that with a history and, you know, of, of not seeing talent and skills and capability in people who don't look like you or are not the same gender as you or what have you um, and suppressing their opportunity leads to, you know, saying, I, we've never seen anyone at the coordinator position, for example. And so if there's nobody from a diverse background in those positions, then there's quote unquote, nobody qualified to do anything else. And then once you get, like you said, one or two or three coaches, and I think three might be the record for any franchise, well, we've done that. Why do we have to keep doing that? Because somewhere in the back of their mind might be the idea of it was only done for show. And yeah, they turned out okay, but it was an anomaly. You know, it was a one-off and, you know, we, we were lucky that that worked out, but let's not keep, you know, testing the waters or let's not do it again. Um, there's plenty, again, going back to my corporate background, I was the only black female manager that this company ever had in this division and ever will. And I don't work there anymore. Um, and they have not had one since. And I was good. I left to start my own business. It wasn't like I got out there or anything. But my point being, they haven't done it again because, well, we did that. Do we have to keep showing that we can? You see what I mean? You see the, the inference that I'm putting there? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not that there aren't qualified candidates out there. It's like it's a little bit more trying and a little bit more, it takes a little bit more energy to find them. And path of least resistance is what human brains will always do. Do we have to go through this? We've, we've done that before. We've proven that we can. Can't we just keep it simple and hire our cousin? You know, so that's how that's going to go. That was oversimplified because you asked me a question that I could build an entire hour-long class off of. But um, that's my two-minute response. Mm-hmm. MJ, your, your thoughts on the shortness of coaches of particularly coaches of color, their tenures overall, um, and the teams that have never had a, a, a person of color at the head coaching position, yours being one of them. 
some honestly, I think the teams who have had head coaches of color that have extremely short tenures, I think those short tenures are by design because they'll get, in my opinion, a placeholder coach. Because mm -hmm. if you're just going to hire a placeholder, you don't really care if the placeholder fits a certain profile, you just need to throw a body at something. So I think some, and, 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 and I'm not going to say all the placeholders, but I'd be, or I'm sorry, not all the placeholders, but all the short um, uh, head coaching uh, fits that these coaches of colors have had, whether or not they have all been placeholders or not, we could probably debate that. But I'm just going to go ahead and say that they were placeholders until those teams were able to go get the coach that they wanted because maybe that coach had no intentions of leaving the team that they were from, or maybe they were an offensive coordinator that was going to stick it out with their head coach. But for any other number of reasons, until that person became available, I think that's why they've had those, uh, those uh, short stints. Um, and, as far and as the team, go ahead. No, it's an MJ. You know when you're when you're talking there, I, I'm sitting here thinking Houston Texans, and 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 that's that's that that's going to be a, an interesting scenario going forward for many reasons. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because theirs is the most egregious of this example, considering what they recently yeah. did to David Cully. And, again, and, jo and Josh and Josh McCarron possibly coming in. That whole yep. that whole circle circle yeah. is just and, uh, and Flores uh, is still part of that uh, for head coach for the Texans too. Yeah, that, that, yep. I think yeah, we should also mention Flores is still a finalist for both the Houston Texans and New Orleans Saints positions. That's uh, despite filing this lawsuit. Marks. James, for finalist me, that's that's posturing. You you think you think it's posturing by those two franchises? Oh my god, yes. Yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. It's it's honest honestly, sometimes these things are so bloody obvious you want to just go around and give them a slap. MJ, what were you saying? Um, no, I was saying we're going to put finalists in quotation marks. Um, uh, exactly. Yeah. The other, the, the, <laughs> uh, the, the other part of your question as far as team or franchises that have never had head coaches of color um, doesn't surprise me in the least. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't care what any NFL representative says. The only thing they care about is the bottom line. They don't care about representation. They don't care about diversity. They care about how many more billions of dollars can this team make me. Um, and again, it's cronyism. So, yes, the teams that have never had head coaches of color, uh, one, I think it's, it's despicable, my franchise included in that. Um, and just more of the status quo for mm -hmm. NFL franchises. They don't, they don't see any reason to change. Um, I, I look at, specifically with my franchise, I look at our owner, Arthur Blank. He seems to be a bit more progressive just based on some of the things I've heard him say. Um, mm -hmm. I've never met the man, so I have no personal experience. But just listening to some of the things that he says, he seems a bit more progressive. Um, I look at our GM that just got hired this year. Um, so we're, he, he seems like the kind of owner who would probably hire somebody based on their merit and not necessarily just on cronyism and them being part of the good old boy network. But again, until he gives me a black head coach, a black president, 
I'm still going to put him in that category with the other owners, but I'm going to put an asterisk by his name because I think he can do better. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, and to bring up what the part of the suit against the Denver Broncos, which again, is probably more so uh, he said, he said type scenario. He alleges that while he was in the coaching cycle for 2019, before he got the Dolphins job, he had an interview with the Denver Broncos, specifically names John Elway and another executive uh, saying that they both showed up an over an hour late for the interview. And Jared, to your point, you, like you said earlier, these interviews are transcribed and sent to the league office when they're done. Um, if this is all on paper and he's saying they showed up an hour late, but Elway and the Broncos are alleging that he was allotted. Now their response is he was allotted, allotted the um, the maximum time that we were able to see him or he was seen within the maximum allotted time. That doesn't really answer the question of whether they were late or not, especially, you know, and again, someone showing up the shovel doesn't necessarily mean that they're, inebriated or hung over but if your appearance is not um prof- I don't and I don't want to use the word professional because that has all different types of connotations um of, of some rooted in bias but you have someone showing up at a set time and you don't show up at said time and your appearance is basically disheveled like well, I mean, what does that say, especially if that information is in the transcripts and they're trying to say that, you know, we did our due diligence in interviewing him, but yet they're not answering the part. I mean, that obviously that speaks to, like MJ said earlier, we don't care. Um, as a, What happens when this comes out or do we even expect this part to come out from the league office? I think I mean, we will. I think we will get some information out of that is because um, also I believe one of the other facts was that it wasn't just Elway and the other guy. I believe there were five Broncos executives in the room for the right. interview. And we don't know if, if any of them were uh, people of color. So mm-hmm. that could throw another thing. So if one of them was, then maybe they'll speak out if the, if the, if the white guys aren't going to. And then the other thing was, is um, Elway did comment that he, um, if he was, if he did appear disheveled, he did say um, in a in a release, I think it was earlier today, that uh, they had been doing an interview with another head coach at on the East Coast or something, and then they flew um, overnight over to make sure that they were uh, there for Flores' interview because they're only allotted a certain amount of time for each right. one of these coaching interviews. And because like because a lot of teams are like in the playoffs or not in the playoffs, different coordinators, you can only interview people 
at certain times. And so that was an issue for like the Giants this cycle where we couldn't interview certain coaches because the Bills were still playing or we couldn't interview because the Niners were still in it. Um, and so there were a lot of issues like that. And so we'll find out, I think, because the NFL should have the timeline. The Broncos obviously have the timelines. Um, and it won't be hard to see like, oh, he took this flight from here. This is one time it landed. That's very easy to figure out. So I think we'll get that kind of information. Yeah, but let's 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 hold on. I mean, that's 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 very generous. I think of you, Jared. A couple of things there. First of all, these guys are not flying uh, uh, cattle class. You know, they're they're flying they're flying private, first class, private jets, uh, right? Private jets, whatever for a start. And secondly, for secondly, that comes down to me for, uh, in terms of professionalism and respect. You know, if you're, it doesn't matter who you're interviewing, you know, <laughs> demonstrate you're, you're representing an organization, show some respect to the person who's put the time in to prepare for an interview, uh, show professionalism in the in the sense that you're there representing the whichever team it is. Uh, I, I don't find any of those excuses that always come up with uh, remotely uh, passable for me. It's uh, uh, and I don't care what what the color of skin of the candidate is. Uh, you always show candidates respect. And you show candidates professionalism, uh, because if you don't do that, then how can you expect that from the people you employ? Uh, it's a very, a very, poor, very, very poor. Unless you don't care, unless you don't oh, care. Oh no, no, MJ, how could you possibly think that? <laughs> uh, you're, 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 you're putting words in my mouth there, which uh, were probably fair. <laughs> uh, Joy, I, I want to ask you just one last thing. Um, and this, I'm trying to figure out how the best way to phrase this. Um, bias. Well, do, it, do it professionally and with respect, if you can. <laughs> bias and because this is this this is going to be around bias and and coded language or double speak, if you will. Um, you about to ask me a really hard question. Go ahead. I I, I am about to ask you a really hard question. <laughs> so, um, the rest of us here have pretty much been adamantly watching most the, if not all, the vast majority of playoff games. Um, we know that two of the the names, especially offensive minds that have been overlooked the last two cycles, uh, which may still be candidates in this current cycle, Eric Bieniemy of the Chiefs, um, Byron Leftwich of the Buccaneers, both uh, offensive coordinators, black men under white head coaches. And I wonder if any of you have ever picked up on the language used by the commentators, specifically Romo and Aikman when calling their respective games and how they hardly ever or never mention the coordinators' names, even though they both call the plays for their respective offenses. I remember clearly watching the Rams and Bucks game in which Eggman was pretty much giving everything to Bruce Arians as far as how the offense is running um, and never mentioned Leftwich's name once. Romo did the same thing in the AFC Championship with the Kansas City Chiefs. Everything was Andy Reid this, Andy Reid that. But the cameras go to the sideline. Andy Reid standing there with his hands in his pocket. He may be saying something to the headset, but you look over to his left or his right, and there's Eric Bieniemy with the call sheet up calling the play. So it, it, we went through this thing in, in the early part of this millennium because Donovan McNabb brought it up about the double talk that goes on the quarterbacks. When he does, when he breaks out the pocket and throws a pass, it's an athletic move. If Tom Brady or Peyton Manning break out the pocket and throw a pass, it's a heads up move. Like what? what? And I guess, Joy, I know this is really overly complex, but how do we get yeah. past that? How do you like, get past it? 
or, or just acknowledging that that's a problem because for, for me, it's like, if we're constantly touting the white head coaches, even though it's their, you know, their black coordinators who are responsible mm-hmm. for the success of the offense over the last couple of years, but yet the people commentating the game only mention the head coaches. How do, how do the guys under them who are actually doing all the work get noticed? You see, Joy, this is, this is what I experience every week on this podcast. James goes on a, like a five-minute ramble saying, if I'm going to ask you a question, at the end of it, you think to yourself, what was the question he just asked me? I have no idea. That was a soliloquy with a question mark at the end of it. Like, you talking about with inflection. Like, I'm I sorry. I, I tried to do my best there. But, but basically, I can tell you what the answer is, Joy. The, the answer is always Chip Kelly. Oh gosh! Don't do that. Don't That's do that. his favorite coach of all time. But I, I, so I'm saying, like, okay. You okay, look before at the count- you add to, you, you making it worse. Oh. Okay, so um, to answer, oh, to try to answer your question, what you're really touching on is a form of microaggression that's happening in the NFL, where people don't even. And the thing about microaggressions, and the reason they're called micro, is they're small, mm-hmm. insignificant in and of themselves, taken individually, hardly worth mentioning. But when taken collectively, they create a pattern of behavior over time that can be very damaging. And unless you can catalog every single one, it's hard to build a case of what's happening, which is where gaslighting comes in. That's right. not what's happening. You misheard that. I don't, that's not what I meant. You're making too much of it. It's just a little mm-hmm. thing. It's just a one-off joke. All of those things make you think you're imagining what you see. But if you're at the center of it, then all of those cataloging of events, you doing it because it's happening to you. But everyone else sees you be over overreactionary to a little thing. It wasn't that big a deal. Why did they make so much of it? So that's the problem is when you have that type of language, not done by an individual. If it was one commenter or one um, ESPN talking head that always did it, they'd call them out for it. But if it's pervasive and inconsistent, sometimes you hear it, sometimes you don't, it's impossible to prove unless you go run the taste back and like start recording from like 1997 forward and say, see, there, here's the pattern. Every time we talk about, you know, Doug Williams, you hear this, that type of thing. Um, but to your point, that language is not coded on purpose, but it is coded, you mm-hmm. know, to hear like athletic prowess versus intellectual ability. Same mm-hmm. thing that we saw, again, sticking it to the United States, same thing that you saw in the United States military forces where you have all of these hyper-athletic or, you know, strong-backed um, mm-hmm. men of color. And it wasn't just uh, <laughs> black men. You had Puerto Ricans, you had um, Japanese, you had all kinds of people who were not seen as intelligent enough to be a leader, but were absolutely used for their maybe specialized technical skill or their muscle. And but so Joy, it's the same thing you've seen here. Yep. So isn't isn't that sort of almost like institutionalized racism prevalent? Yes, through, it is through everything we do. Because I was I was watching a, a tremendous interview, but you probably guys probably have seen it because he's American. But Muhammad Ali gave this uh, this interview yes. once and in, into in, in a British in a British television show, and he was he was saying he said, well, he said, just think of all the things like uh, like Darth Vader is black, uh, he's a baddie, and then you've got black magic, which is the bad thing, and white magic is the good thing. And then you have uh, Black Friday when we sack, or Black Monday when we sack the coaches because that's a bad day. And uh, if you go to Lord of the Rings, then the the Gandalf is it gets to be white in the end. And it's 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 that sort of it's that sort of passive kind of subtle covert sort yeah. of uh, 
things that did pervade society and we all grew up through that and it and it's kind of mm -hmm. it you kind have of, a black kind of, mark on your name or you just told a little white exactly lie. yeah yeah mm -hmm. there, there you go exactly yeah there it's all those things and they are they're really really tiny like you say those micro things but they're also huge as well right collectively if you look at yeah. the pattern you're seeing what happens, but if you just in, in regular conversation, it's hard to pinpoint. Oh, it's just mm -hmm. a colloquialism or just the way we talk or, you know, I heard that phrase growing up. Um, yeah. But to, to answer um, James' question somewhere in here, um, you, it's impossible to remove that without facing the fact that you're doing it in doing the first it. place. Yeah. And that's Joy, the trouble I, is people are going to say, I didn't do that. That's, that's, that's not you. You're twisting my words and mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Joy, the, the thing I've learned with James is let him go on and on and on and just an, and then just answer, answer the question you want to you want answer, to answer yourself. You know? Oh gosh, I'm sorry. I, I did my best. I guess the flip side of that is that for those two coordinators, the head coaches get all the credit. But when you look at say Brian Dayball or um, Kellen Moore was a Kellen Moore, they get the credit mm -hmm. for their respective offenses, not the head coach, mm -hmm. who are also offensive minded individuals and they're and, they too are offensive coordinators and remember eric benemy is is no good because that's actually all andy reed it's that sort of thing isn't it you know it's, uh, mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think yeah he doesn't not, interview well which exactly, I, not, I don't know what that means not to yeah, take us like too far like like this is important to the discussion but it's also a very deep issue uh it's, it, it's based off of what joy was saying and also what neil mentioned with the age earlier is there's like I'm a historian and I teach history and there's a huge historical implication of systemic racism that's gone back for a very long time. It has a lot of ties with poverty. It has a lot of ties. It, it's still rooted very much in American culture today and, it, and it's going to be rooted in American culture for quite some time, but in society, but that that's another thing that the NFL is part of uh, this larger, larger tapestry of American society. And, while we still have these other issues going on in American society, there is a good question of can you actually fix this one part of it without addressing all these other parts? Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. Yes to everything you just said. Um, the NFL is not unique. What you're seeing here is the same thing you see across, again, multiple industries, multiple um, divisions, platforms, everything. You see it in esports. You know, so it's because it is so woven into, mm. um, what's the phrase I remember hearing recently, like um, so institutional racism is such a part of America that to question it is to be labeled un-American. Mm -hmm. yeah. But you see, but that comes again, so it goes back to what I said earlier about, about the NFL is such a massive figure, if you like, in, in America that it has to take that responsibility to change things, to, to demonstrate that, that uh, the right way of doing things is, is to be equitable and fair to people. And if they don't do that, then society has no chance because, because people look to the NFL for guidance there, even, even mm -hmm. though they probably shouldn't, they do. Uh, so. This could be like a weird segue or like it's attached to this, but like we're looking at something like what Disney has done be a, like a kind of a blueprint because you've seen Disney has gotten away from what historically it was, but there's a lot of racism and a lot of like white only stuff. And they've gotten into a very um, LGBTQ friendly, very progressive. Mm -hmm. um, and that is changing society. I see it all the time with little kids. And yep. mm -hmm. is that something that the NFL could do then? Mm, that's right. Yeah, I think, I think so. And I think you're, you, 
you've hit the nail on the head there. Us old people, we're probably <laughs> we, some of us, a lot of us may be too late for all that, but it, 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 we've got to make sure our children don't grow up with the same uh, with the same uh, uh, biases issues. that we have. Yeah, I think I think that's right, MJ. We have to we have to focus on that, and that's why it's so sad to see to see it when you see a a, a kid, you know, doing something that racially abuses somebody or so. It's uh, it's uh, it's very sad. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we're, we're going to table this for now. Um, I, I appreciate all of your input. Joy, I, I thank you again for attending, despite my uh, <laughs> convoluted question asking. <laughs> it was my pleasure. I really enjoyed being, uh, being a guest today, um, and it was a pleasure to hear from all of you. Great conversation. Uh, Joy, where, where can the audience find you if they want to know more about diversity and inclusion? You can find me on LinkedIn under Joy Stevens, or you can go to my website, which is www.newheightsawake.com. And, right. and Joy, if I, if I can speak for the rest of the world, I would say uh, how nice it is to meet uh, to meet an American with uh, with uh, uh, such an interesting and and uh, and, and fascinating conversation. Because honestly, here it's it's sometimes I just give up. <laughs> Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, if only we can get rid of Neil as easily. No, no, I like Neil. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you woman, again, Joy. Intelligence and taste. <laughs> um, well, I think you guys are going to continue on for a bit. Is yeah. Right? Our, hours, Joy. Hours. <laughs> I'm going to take this this chance to bow out gracefully and let y'all continue a more um, sports-centered conversation. And thanks for having me. All right. Thank thanks you Thanks for joining us, Joey. It was a pleasure mm. to have you. Fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you. Bye, guys. See ya. All right. Oh, James, so oh, James, I like Joy. <laughs> Glad to hear that. Um, mm. To segue into still more coaching news, <laughs> as mentioned with Flores still being a candidate for two open positions, uh, there were two more coaching hires since we were last on the air and a GM position field. The Raiders hired Dave Zeigler as their GM and then hired Josh McDaniels as their head coach. And of course, the Giants hired Brian Dayball as their new head coach. Um, Jared, since we have you here, you want to expand a little more on potential future outlook for your squad with this head coaching hire and how you feel about it. Yeah. So I'll say uh, I've, I've been preaching for a while since obviously I, I we've had the issues with the giants winning games. Um, but <laughs> I, I wanted uh, my first choice for my head coach this year was uh left, which I thought he's the best offensive mind. I think the giants needed an offensive coordinator um, to step into a head coaching role. And Dabble was my second choice. Um, and so we did get my second choice, which I'm really happy about. Um, unfortunately, we didn't get left, which, but it is what it is. Uh, but with Dabble, th we could have done a lot worse. Let's just say that. And we have a very good offensive mind. Obviously, the Bills offense was amazing. Josh Allen's a total stud. Um they did such a good job with the bills. Like they had a couple of uh, moments la this, this year against like the Jags and against some other teams where like, we didn't understand what was going on. The team was playing poorly, but when they played against the chiefs, they punched them in the mouth. They played very well. Unfortunately, the defense let them down 
and Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. So <laughs> lose that game in 13 seconds. Um, the other thing that's nice for the Giants is uh, fortunately for the Giants and unfortunately for uh, people of color, Patrick Graham is back with the Giants for defensive coordinator. I think he's one of the best defensive coordinators in the NFL. Um, he was interviewed for head coach for the Giants, the Vikings, and a couple other teams. Um, but he was not selected for any of them. And then the Giants also picked up a African-American for their special teams uh, coach. And we picked up the Kansas City's uh, quarterbacks coach, Kafka, to come over and be our offensive coordinator. So we have the Bills offense and the Kansas City Chiefs offense uh, coaches from their staffs or <laughs> from their staffs on the Giants staff now. And we still have a really rock solid defensive coordinator, Patrick Graham, who I fully expect will get a coaching job next year as a head coach. And the outlook for me is very bright. Uh, Shown has is one of the he was the number one GM candidate in the pool. The other one was uh, Poles, who the Bears got. And so the Giants got my number one head, my number one GM, my number two head coach, and then a couple of coordinators and things that are very good for uh, what they are. Um, from that aspect, Giants look really good. From a cap situation, the Giants look really bad. From a draft <laughs> perspective, the Giants look really good. And from a roster perspective, it's a mixed bag. So there's a lot to be happy about, but there's a lot to be concerned with. But I, I trust Sean. I think that ideally they they can fix the situations on offensive line and a couple other areas. And I think we will see, assuming that Daniel Jones is healthy, I think we will see it a Giants team competing, which is what we didn't see this last year. All right. Uh, MJ, anything uh, you want to add to either the Giants hire or anything you want to talk about with the Raiders hires? No, not with those two in particular. (laughs) Neil? I would say with the Giants uh, hires, with uh, with Sean, who knows, you know, first time as a GM, you never know how it's going to how it's going to go. But, you know, fresh face, give him a chance. You've moved on from a an old veteran GM and you're trying now the, the opposite, of course, a young, unproven GM. So who knows? It might work out great, might not. You'll see soon enough, I guess. But uh, I think the one thing the Giants have done really well here is they've brought in Dayball, who uh, certainly has a history of working with quarterbacks who have struggled or, or have had issues and transformed them into... Uh, into better players. And Wait, are you uh, saying Daniel Jones has struggled? Uh, I think it would be fair to say that Daniel. I, I think it's fair to say Daniel Jones has had a has had a mixed uh, introduction to the NFL over these what three years now he's been with the Giants. Uh, yeah, and I and I think uh, I think what you'll see is that if Dayball can't fix them, nobody can, and this will, that's and that's that's actually good for Jones because it will uh, he, he's got a great shot. To, to improve and we'll see how it goes and and if but if Dayball can't fix him I think he's he's probably gone and that's uh, that'll be good because they can they can judge that before they have to pay him so that's yeah a good he's move. he's only like eight million this year I think so he's really yeah. cheap and you can't find that's quarterbacks right. for that cheap so yeah and and I think uh, this will be uh, he's not he's fi- uh, probably his final opportunity as a starter in the league but uh, uh, we'll see how it goes what I w- what I would say with uh, with the Giants is they're a bit that, they're, they're, they're a little bit like uh, like a, a lot of the teams at the lower end of the league, and that is that their their roster has like all teams has some good players, but uh, 
uh, they just don't have the like Washington in a way they don't just don't have the depth. They don't have the depth of squads. Zero when lose, depth. When they lose one or two of their better better players, then they can they can go in a tailspin really quickly, and uh, that's where Sean will have to come in and and okay, yeah, maybe he's. He's got all these. He's got a couple of first round picks this year, and that's really important, of course. But more important is to is to use the rest of the draft and free agency to build that depth in the in the team. All right. So we talked about the Giants. What, what do we want to say uh, about the Raiders hire? Um, because I I would read the piece submitted by Pat Verchance, but it's all Patriots based, not anything as far as the Raiders. Um, the one thing I, I, I want to mention to start off with, though, is that did we think that Josh McDaniels was actually going to be considered for another job? Was this the right job for him? And do we think that the, the owners have pretty much forgiven what he did in Indianapolis several years ago? I guess I can go first on that. I, I personally think McDaniels is a terrible coach. Um, I don't think that he should have been given another chance to coach, but he has. I am a Raider fan, so I hope for the best for the Raiders. However, when you look at their division, they have two of probably like I I think anyone would say like two of the top five quarterbacks in the league in his own in that division. Mm-hmm. And none of them they, play for Oakland, by the way. <laughs> no, yeah, none of them play for the Raiders. And the other issue is that. Aaron or sorry, Karen uh, Rogers might be going to the Broncos. That's still a possibility. Um, or the Broncos might be getting, might be moving to, to draft a quarterback this year. And mm-hmm. like McDaniels has to win against those high flying offenses. The Raiders have some really good pieces. Max is an amazing player. Uh, Carr is an above average quarterback. Um, they have Renfro, who's a very elite route running receiver. Uh, probably the best slot receiver in the game. They also have um, a couple other pieces that are really nice. O lines okay, so they have they have potential, but they're going to need a lot of work. They're going to have to draft extremely well if they want to compete at a high level, and especially in that division. I know that they made the playoffs this year, but they made the playoffs this year in overtime in the final game of the year where they won like every coin flip throughout the entire year and teams don't get that lucky year after year. Like you're going to not win the coin flip every single time. And that's not to say they want like a little coin flip, but like they beat Baltimore like that. They beat a lot of teams in a very lucky manner when you take it, take it from a macro perspective. And so they have to keep improving and play better. And that's going to be very difficult for, for that GM and for that head coach, I think. So I, I'd be very concerned uh, being a fan of the Raiders. All right. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, be- before we get to that old guy from the sixth round 22 years ago who finally stepped away. <laughs> Neil, uh, anything you want to elaborate with your uh, team's official name change now? Uh, no. <laughs> Jared, as a fellow division mate like myself, uh, what do you think? Because I will say I've been flipping through Eagles Twitter and uh, yeah, the fans of the other three teams in the division have been roasting everything that has to do with this name <laughs> what's your take i mean uh, let's just say uh go commies i love the commies oh uh, no no we can't uh, do that the washington commies are gonna uh no gonna do well well james uh, just, uh, we yeah. just had to talk about diversity we can't do that james what i can say is that uh, for this podcast i've gone commando nice oh, uh, oh. ho- ho- hopefully the Washington commies uh, draft a quarterback, come up and trade with the Giants and uh, come grab uh, one, of the, one of the guys you like. Um, I think that the team name is pretty dreadful. I think Washington football team was better. Um, well, they couldn't stick with that forever. It was true cool for the last two seasons, but I think, we- I think obviously I think they should have gone with like red Hogs or red tail, something like that. I think that would have been very cool. Um, obviously Wait, Snyder. They- so I-, I will say this and I know MJ, you're going to say, why couldn't they go with one of those two names? I don't know why they didn't choose one of those two names, because when the fan base was questioned for suggestions, Red Hawks and Red Tails were two of the prominent names that the fans wanted. wanted. Um, the, prob- the problem, though, James, if, you, if you're if you an owner and you listen to the fans, that's the quickest way to becoming a fan and not an owner. I think really, the, uh, so, but it, isn't that what he's been pretty much for the majority of the 20 some odd years he's been running the team with all the high profile over the age, well, uh, I would, o- I would, over the hill free agent signings he did when he first bought the team? You know, Bruce, would, Bruce Smith, five years too late, Sanders, five hmm. years too late. <laughs> I, would, I would suggest that uh, going by the recent uh, revelations, he spent the 20 years uh, listening to his listening to his cock more than listening to anything else. Oh my gosh! Sure. Uh, <laughs> what I would say though is I, I I don't agree with you in terms of the uh, well two things. First of all, there was no way Red was going to be in the title of the of the nickname. No no chance at all of that happening because of the connotations to the to the previous uh, nickname. Even despite the historical no, significance yeah, of Red Tails. Yeah. Uh, history is history is in the past, and that's where it should stay. Uh, wow. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I would say that that's the first thing. Secondly, I, I don't see why they didn't stick with Washington football team. I like that as good as anything. I'm not into nicknames at all, but uh, so, I was quite happy with, with so Washington uh, football team. Well, instead of actually... Where I was ha- going oh, to go, James, was I think they should have stayed with the Washington football team. Yeah. Hmm, specifically okay. because I love the way soccer clubs yeah, are exactly. yeah. just the whatever, the football whatever, team. whatever. Yeah. Yeah, football FC. Club. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they should have stuck with just football teams. Yeah, I agree, MJ. I agree. So, yeah, so instead I, of actually I, having literal red, they went with commies instead, which is quote-unquote red. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, they. I think between Jerry Jones and the league office, they weren't going to let them go too much longer with the football team. As mm. cool as you three think you it may what? have sounded. I don't think Jerry Jones is really in a position to tell anybody what mm. they need to be doing as often yeah. as he doesn't listen to what people suggest for his team. So that nobody should be listening to what Jerry yeah. says. 
And there's also James. There's a there's a there's a little there's a little part of it here, which of course it's all about cash. The, the, of already already yesterday, the the Washington uh, Commanders was the was the best selling NFL attire uh, of the day, and and one of the highest ever uh, uh, in terms of. Yeah. Uh, speaking of attire, Neil, uh, what's up with the alt black uniforms? Pretty much being a direct rip of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, I think if 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 Washington is looking to follow any franchise in the league, the Steelers would be a good uh, a good uh, one to follow because they've been a great franchise for a long time. So I'm 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 I have no problem with that at all. I actually quite I actually quite like the uniforms. Uh, I think the uniforms and, and the helmets look quite modern, quite fresh. Quite like that. I'm I you know I've always struggled with the whole burgundy thing because it's it's almost it's a, it's a god awful color. <laughs> it's not going anywhere anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sadly. <laughs> And we also were in a division where the Giants have got this beautiful blue color. You guys have that lovely, well, I remember the old Randall Cunningham green the Kelly color. Green, yeah. Yeah, beautiful. And, of course, the Cowboys have that uh, have that white and look, which is always always, uh, always quite, uh, quite an attractive look as well. So we've always struggled with this bloody burgundy thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, enough about bashing Neil and his squad. Um some some quarterback retired this week. I, I don't know if you all want to talk about that in any any way, but some hmm. Tom is Brady he, is he the one retired. Who, is he the one who was on a boat in Miami in 2019? Do you think uh, something like Might that? Have been, yeah, yeah. I'm could, still waiting could. for the Adam Schefter tweet to confirm that he retired. <laughs> <laughs> and, and for those who may be uh, under you know been under a rock o- over the weekend, the uh, Buccaneers released a press statement saying that Tom Brady was retiring, to which he quickly refuted. Of course, all the insiders for ESPN and NFL Network retweeted said press release. Um, And then a couple of days ago, Tom Brady officially, through a Twitter statement, retired. Um, What do you think of everyone trying to make a big deal that he didn't thank the Patriot fans in his retirement speech? Um, I was actually a little bit surprised that, and maybe they tried to do it and he just refused, but like a one-day contract with the Patriots to retire as a Patriot, just considering how much that fan base had invested in him, I think it was kind of uh, disrespectful not to thank those Patriot fans. MJ, um, don't you think? Uh, I mean, I've got a funny feeling that uh, Tom Brady may be a man who holds a grudge. <laughs> I mean, he did. He did at least give the Patriots fan a. Uh, in his tweet, his picture was of him in a Bucks uniform beating the Patriots at yep. Patriots. I mean, oh, that's, that's for the fans, right? Like, hey, oh, hey, beat you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 I think it might take some years before uh, before he thaws out on that particular issue. Oh my gosh! <laughs> but hey, James, let's 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 also be positive for a second. I mean, we've we've been lucky enough to to uh, whether 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 you like the Patriots or whether whatever. I think in, in years to come, we can look back and say, well, we we lived through the through the era where we probably saw the greatest quarterback to play the game of all time, and and that's and and you know you have to. Even if it's grudgingly, you have to respect greatness, and and we definitely saw it there with uh, with with him. Look, look, I know, look and every them. time I see a clip of Joe Montana, I'm like, yes, that is the greatest quarterback. Quarterback of all time. Of all time. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, yeah. MJ. Joe Montana, yeah. greatest of yeah. all time. Yeah, I think uh, I think I would. A few years ago, MJ, I'd be right there with you. I mean, I, I lived through the 
Joe Montana years at San Francisco, and he was, of course, for a long time the greatest. But I, I, I rather fear Tom has probably surpassed him. And and, and and I lived through the era of when the Falcons were in the NFC West, and we got our we were slaughtered <laughs> twice a year by that franchise. And I still put Montana at the top. Yeah. He was, he was, uh, he was, uh, well, I think uh, we've got, we've got the new Joe Cool, haven't we? But he was certainly the original Joe Cool. Oh my gosh. Well, um, before we get into Hall of Fame and awards, there is a game supposedly being played this Sunday called the Pro Bowl. Uh, I I doubt anyone here cares about it. But it, the Pro Bowl I, I mean, is that is that, the Pro Bowl is that the is that the delayed fourth preseason game? Yeah, yeah, something like that, something I, like that. The, tell it, us, it, tell it, us, you've got an injury report, James. Come on, tell oh, us. Oh no, no, there, there is no injury report. Uh, I mean, it is the NFL's All Star <laughs> Game. Uh, I, I do hate that it's the week before the Super Bowl. Um, mm. Yeah, but it, it is being played at three thirty Eastern Time in Las Vegas on Sunday. So I, I'm just mentioning it for the sake of mentioning it. Um, but I do want to get to our Hall of Fame because there, there are 15 finalists um, who will be narrowed down a week from today at the NFL Honors, uh, which we'll also get into uh, before we get out of here. And the uh, finalists are uh, defensive end Jared Allen, offensive lineman Willie Anderson, defensive back Rondé Barber, uh, tackle Tony Baselli. Safety, Leroy Butler. Uh, returner, Devin Hester. Wide receiver, Torrey Holt. Wide receiver, Andre Johnson. Linebacker, Sam Mills. Defensive lineman, Richard Seymour. Linebacker, Zach Thomas. Linebacker, Demarcus Ware. Wide receiver, Reggie Wayne. Linebacker, Patrick Willis. And defensive lineman, Bryant Young. And based on our voting here amongst everyone in our next fan up group in no in we had six people who qualified even though it should have been five and the reason there's six is because there were three people who ended up with four votes so the first three that we'll talk about uh most votes demarcus ware followed by devin hester and then tony baselli so let's talk about those three right there um we, we obviously we all agree because it looks like everybody who voted voted for Demarcus Ware. So let's start with him. Uh, and, and I guess between myself, Neil, and Jared, considering he started with the Cowboys before he went to Denver to win a ring, we we can talk about the way he wreaked havoc on our offensive lines coming after our quarterbacks. He was the one guy we always had to be aware of, Elite. no matter what or how good or bad the Cowboys were. He was always a problem. Uh, you two care to elaborate? <laughs> I'll just say that he's an elite player. He you had to he you had to make an offensive game plan around him, and I'll leave it at that. I would, say, James. I, would, I yeah. I mean, I, I don't have an issue with where going in. He's going to get in eventually. I was just. I mean, I did do a bit of research for this uh, Hall of Fame thing before the before we did the show tonight, and my. I had two two reflections from it. First of all, I think this is my god, this is a really, really boring class. And, <laughs> it, and it's secondly, not eye popping in any way, no. No. And secondly, I was looking at like Willie Anderson and Tony Baselli and and then Reggie Wayne and Tory Holt. They're all the same guy. 
it's very difficult to sort of say, wow, he definitely needs to go in. They were all kind of like three, three first team all pros, five or six Pro Bowls. They're all the same guy in this class, and I just couldn't. I found it hard to pick five guys. Honestly, I could have just. You could actually just throw them up in the air, and the first five that landed would go in. <laughs> uh, there's, there's nobody. There's nobody here in this class. I would say, man, I'm going to fight, fight for that guy to get in because he has to get in. Uh, yeah, I, I would. Yeah, and I'd go. agree, Neil. There, there were no eye popping slam dunks this season where it's like, yep, that guy's definitely going in. No questions asked. You're right. For the most part, all 15 guys are pretty much. I'm, I'm just jumbled together and no one really stands out head and shoulders above the rest. Uh, MJ, in, anything you want to comment on where Baselli or Hester as our top three vote getters? Um, to me, the top, well, I don't know. I'm honestly not sure if I would include Devin Hester. Well, obviously well I Devin didn't. Hester got seven votes out of the nine people who voted. I, I know, I know, I know. Um, DeMarcus Ware, to me, DeMarcus Ware is a no-brainer. The dude was a beast of a player. He no-brainer. Devin Hester, I, I, I believe Devin Hester will get in. I'm just not. I don't know that I can agree that you know he is head and shoulders above anyone else in this class of 15. I'd probably put him about middle of the pack. Um, is he the sexiest pick, MJ? Uh, I mean, for someone who's I, primarily a special teamer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I mean, and, and for that specific reason of the fact that he's just a special teams guy, um, I would wonder if we were to look at all the past Hall of Famers, how many Hall of Famers do we have that are special teams guys? Um, uh, one. And so I don't I don't know if this is and, and don't get me wrong I'm not I'm not asking this question to diminish his career but I genuinely wonder if they're trying to include more special teams players in the conversation for Hall of Fame candidacy. Oh, and he because, I think that, well Ray that, Guy that, is the only special teamer in the Hall of Fame and he's a punter. There are no kickers in there. And up until this year, uh, Steve Tasker's name always appeared as a finalist for about four or five years in a row, and he didn't go in at any point. So I don't know if we are going to get someone else in there because we're, we still don't even have a kicker in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's my, other, that's my other thing. Like, I think that you have to look at Hester in a very unique way, in my opinion, and I think in the opinion of quite a lot of people, Hester is the best player ever in the history of the NFL to do his job at his mm -hmm. position. However, Fair. the value of that Fair. position is a lot, obviously a lot lower than a lot of other positions. And so that's the kind of the issue. It's kind of like, I view Devin Hester, how I view Justin Tucker. Justin Tucker is the best kicker that the NFL has ever seen and probably will ever see. And he should be in the hall of fame because he is the literal best at that spot. If you're not going to like put yes. in, yeah, if you're not going to put in like the best player at a spot, then why have a Hall of Fame to me is kind of a kind of an issue that I would raise is like, like every single like we know that one person doesn't win a ring. It's a whole team effort. So like, yeah, I think the best punt returner, uh, kick returner should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, same with the, the best kicker. Um, mm -hmm. I think that like, honestly, you probably should have like 
the best 10 kickers in the in the hall of fame but but jared to your point because tucker now by statistics percentage field goal percentage he is the best kicker in the nfl before him it was one of the andersons either uh, i think it was either morton or i can't remember which one morton or gary and remember each of them kicked for like 20 years they have long since yeah. been eligible to go in and they're still not in yeah i hear what you're saying about tucker but because neither anderson is in there I don't think Tucker goes in either. But then James Same. or Vinatieri, and he's yeah. got three Super Bowl, uh, four Super Bowl rings. Yeah, but I think I think Jared makes a very valid point. If you're going, he does. Have he of- does. The best should be in there, but but then but then but then of course, hold on, because then you have to go to things like, well, are we going to have the best long snapper? <laughs> I think yes, and Bill Belichick would agree. Yeah, and of I would, course, and Bill I would, Belichick would agree, and I would agree. <laughs> but and that, but and that's where you can. Uh, I think there's there's definitely merit in saying every position on the field, you know, if you're your best player, that position should be in the Hall of Fame as the greatest ever of, of that position or so. Yeah, or in that particular era, I think that's fair. I think it's fair. You never yeah. see it. It's fair. That's one of the things I always get annoyed with right tackles. Right tackles rarely get in because uh, because you don't get you just, you know, it's just the best cool. pass rusher lines up on the left side of the offense. Yeah. Yes, it's always left tackles get all the kudos, don't they? In this machine. I wonder also, just to go, go back to MJ's point there, I wonder if Devin Hester gets in this year because the rest of the group is is not an exciting quarterback-driven, uh, you know, superstar wide receiver really driven league or big pass rusher league. Because although although Demarcus Ware was a was a problem, you would never talk about Demarcus Ware in the same uh, in, in the same uh, sentence as you would Derek Thomas or uh, Lawrence Taylor or Reggie White or, or Peppers. Or peppers, exactly. Yeah, he's just yeah. that little notch below, and I wonder if it's because it's not a sexy year. Maybe maybe Hester gets in because there's a there's a conversation there and a bit of excitement. A bit, oh, a, a return guy. Wow. Possibly, possibly. All right. So the next three people who would get on based on our vote because they tied with four were Richard Seymour, Tory Holt, and Andre Johnson. How how do we feel about them? Oh, well, Rich, Neil, I start with you. Yeah, Richard Seymour. He's he's got to go in because he was uh, he was the the leading player on a on a team on a defense that was dominant and won what he does. He how many Super Bowl rings does he have? Three, four. Uh, he has three. He was part three. of the first three rings. Yeah. And and, and okay, he's not he's not playing that sexy pass rush position where he's going to get twenty sacks every now and again. He's he's uh, but he was he was the difference maker in that. And he, he let other guys make the plays. Great, great player, and he absolutely should be. He should be in the Hall of Fame already. Uh, Jared. Um. Yeah. Seymour's probably one that I don't really care about, but um, I do think that uh, Holt and uh, Johnson were two of the best wide receivers of their generation. Um, and would I, you put I almost Holt and overwin? Yes, I think I think Wayne's actually not very good as a wide receiver. I don't think he should. I don't think Wayne deserves to be in the Hall of Fame ever. Uh, his, stats I, are, his stats are way better than Holt's. Yes, but also I'm a huge uh, Manning fan, and um, I'm also a huge Colts fan because of that. So I I like religiously watched every single Pey- one of Peyton's games, and Peyton's the reason why Reggie Wayne has a lot of yards and stuff. It, it, Reggie Wayne was nothing like special. He was just. He did his but, job. He he would have been a very good patriot. He he was a guy who just literally did his job every play. But, but he, wasn't he was the number one for Andrew Luck's first couple of years in the league. 
Yeah, and Andrew I mean, Luck granted, Luck only stayed in the year, like stayed in the league like five or six years, but his first two to three seasons, this guy was Reggie Wayne, and he still yeah, put up monster numbers. Andrew, Andrew Andrew Luck is again along that same vein as Peyton Manning, where he's like a generational quarterback. I mean, he also opinion. had issues, he also had issues with handguns, didn't he? So he must he's really American. <laughs> that, that, that was Harrison, not Wayne. Oh, was that Harrison? Was it okay? That that, that was Harrison. <laughs> Um, and so yeah so i i I view i view wayne as the worst of those because when you look at uh someone like andre johnson i think andre johnson of those three was the best uh, of them because he had just garbage quarterback play garbage team and And, and that's yeah and for me johnson was my first pick and you had to to double johnson always because you're like okay if i'm gonna lose this game i'm gonna lose it to johnson that's literally who i lose this game to so everyone would just double him Didn't he? Uh, wasn't he? Were they? Uh, he joined the tech. Was he their first draft pick, or he was, or one of the? No, because he was I right at the Baselli, start. Of their... No, was it Baselli? No, Baselli no, was no, a Jaguars. Was Jags David, first. David Carr. David Carr mm-hmm. was the first yeah. Texans. Draft but he was he, he was he was he was joining that team right at the start though, of their of yeah, their being at, a new team, start. wasn't he? Mm-hmm. So they were rubbish. Uh, the other thing, yeah. of course, is I always remember uh, he did give that cornerback. Everybody hated a good slap once. Who was that? Yeah. Uh, was it Pac-Man Jones? No, it wasn't Pac-Man Jones. Cortland Sutton. Sutton. Yeah, yeah that's who it well, was. That, so, so, yeah, let, let's get him in then because that was good enough for me. <laughs> uh, MJ, your thoughts on these three players. Which one you think is most deserving? Seymour, um, Holt, and Johnson. I'm going to have to go... Seymour, Johnson, Wayne. Um, I hope eh, nothing. Yeah, no, I'm definitely Andre Johnson. Andre Johnson, like you said, it was a beast. You, if you didn't double Andre Johnson, um, he was going to punish you. Um, Richard Seymour definitely should have been in by now. My, just my personal opinion. Um, Tory Holt. is Isaac oh, Bruce in the hole? Yes, Isaac Bruce what? is in. Isaac Bruce is in, yeah, okay. Yeah. Holt is the yeah, only Corey. prominent member of that offense not in the Hall of Fame. Everybody else is. Warner, Falk, and Bruce are all in. Was Falk not kicked out of the Hall of Fame, no? Why would Falk be kicked out of the Hall of Fame? Well, didn't he have issues at, at uh, NFL Network? Oh, the... Uh, that that unfortunately would not get him kicked out of the Hall of Fame. <laughs> I, I know what you're referring to. Go go ahead, MJ. Um, so yeah, so no, I'm I'm just not that sold, honestly, on Tory Holt in this particular class, specifically because you've got Reggie Wayne. Mm-hmm. Okay. And yeah, like I said, Andre Johnson, because it, it as far as I'm concerned, Andre Johnson was to the Texans what Chris Carter was to the Vikings. True. Um, yeah, first career garbage quarterbacks, but he still put up all pro numbers year in and year out. And despite that team, honestly, not having an overall winning record during his tenure, which I think is like mm. 10 to 12 years. Uh, what was it? Uh, yeah. Something, right. something along those lines. He, he was still it. one of the best. Yeah. Jared, are any of those guys on, on our six, are they first ballot guys? Any of them? I think Hester's a first ballot guy. Yeah, this I, think, is, I think this is the first this is year. Wears that... as well. Okay, Seymour is isn't, and Wayne Hester isn't, and Wear. Holt isn't. 
Yeah. Ah, uh, okay. Just those two. Okay. I think Hester Ware and maybe Andre Johnson are first timers. Mm. What a terrible group. If I was a quarterback, I should have retired in line with this year. <laughs> <laughs> is 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 this is this Seymour's first year on the ballot? No, 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 no. 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 Okay. Seymour's been eligible for at least eight years. Yeah, certainly a number one. That's a long time. Yeah. Also, I think Zach Thomas is also really good too. So I, I mean, there are some like I don't know. Uh, you see, Zach but Thomas. I wouldn't put, f- but yeah. okay, so if you're going to get into position groupings, I wouldn't put Zach Thomas in ahead of Sam Mills. No, okay. exactly. You, you, you're right. I remember watching Zach Thomas in his career, and he was just because the because the Dolphins were really crap. He mm-hmm. he was he was basically having like 400 tackles a year because people were yeah. running all over them. And and, yeah. and I don't think that's that's a Hall of Fame career. That's a guy who uh, who he was a stat compiler. Yeah, and, and I don't know if I put Zach Thomas in ahead of Patrick no. Willis either, who is also no. a first time <sighs> um, first time with a ballot. Patrick Wilson um, had such a short career, in my opinion, like yeah. compared to the other ones. So, but he had it. But he was he was he was a player who was dominant in the first short period. A bit like Baselli. I mean, Baselli didn't have a long, particularly no, long he career. But he was that's he, true. He, mm-hmm. he was dominant when he was playing. I mean, he really was quite a great player. He was at the time. Basically, a six-year career in Jacksonville. Um, yeah, that's so like I want to talk years about... for another for any other organization. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about the two DBs in this finalist group. Cornerback Ronnie Barber of the Buccaneers and safety Leroy Butler of the Green Bay Packers each played at least a decade for their respective squads. Uh, each has a Super Bowl ring. Do we think either of them gets in? Because for Barber, this is his first time on the ballot, and Butler, I think this is his second or third. I think Butler's probably more deserving. I mean, Barber isn't even the best player in his family. Yeah. What are you so, nuts? I mean... You're saying Tiki's better than Rondé? What's wrong with you? (laughs) Or are you just trolling right now? I feel like you're trolling. I think he's trolling. I I would say Rondé is better. Uh, I think that Rondé... Rondé is one of those, like, cases where I think that he's, like, on the cusp of Hall of Fame, and I just don't know what side of that, like, what side of the fence he's going to land on. Because I think think there's an argument on both sides of that that's better. Okay, so what you're saying about Rondé... Is the nice way of what I said about Lynch last year because mm-hmm. I still believe that of that secondary, Rondé was way more important than Lynch. Oh, mm-hmm. I, I disagree with Lynch being in for sure. Yeah, so I mean, so do I. But you talk- look at Rondé. I mean, he was one of the top corners in the league. He, he I think he does have two All Pros under his belt, multiple Pro Bowls. He was, was kind of yes, like the heart did. of that team. Like no, he, he no, was I mean the heart of that vocal. team was already in yeah. there. That was um the well, linebacker. Yeah, yeah. Like obviously uh, they had they had a lot of other good players. Uh, right, on the, uh, mostly on the in their seven. front seven. Yeah, yeah. See, one, but, one of the one of the issues we've got here, James, is and and you, you talk. I agree with you with Lynch. It's a bit like Kurt Warner as well. You know, if you're how do you, how what's the, if you're an average player, what's the best way to get into the Hall of Fame? Be in the media. That and compile stats, yeah. Because if, yeah. if Warner and Lynch had not been involved in the NFL network and the media and commentating and all the rest of it, they wouldn't be anywhere near the Hall of Fame, either of the two of them. True, true. MJ, thoughts? Uh, Rondé, I think, is a definite. Um, mm-hmm. Leroy Butler... 
Yeah, yeah, no, both. I okay, but if you had to pick one and say one of only one of them's going this year. Oh, if I just have it, to pick between one that's going to go this year, it's going to be Rondé. Okay. It's, it's, it's going to be Rondé. For, 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 for as good as Leroy Butler was, well, Rondé, two, two things specifically, he was damn good at what he did. And, and, and I know this isn't a qualification for Hall of Fame, but Rondé Barber was legitimately a household name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and there's something, in my opinion, to be said for that because you don't become a household name unless you are excellent. Well, let me rephrase that. You become a household name if you are either excellent at what you do or horrible at what you do. Yeah, he definitely wasn't horrible. I think it's for me, James, this is one of those years where I could say, well, <clears throat> it's five players to go in, but this, this year it's only going to be three. Ooh. <laughs> Well, Neil, I, I, I do understand why you say that. Like you said, the, the list itself is largely underwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but James, but just, again, listen, just listen to the conversation we've heard from Jared and from MJ, where they have both sort of hummed and hawed about players saying, yeah, maybe. And I think when you have that conversation in your mind, which says, hmm, not quite sure, then that's a no for me. I think I think we know what Hall of Fame players are. And we, if, if I said to you, uh, you know, Tom Brady, of course, Paul. Of course, of course it is. Yeah, I mean those, guys, those quarterbacks who've retired over the last three years are each going to start coming up in a couple yeah. of years here. You know, Manny, Brady, yeah. uh, Rivers, Roethlisberger. You know, they're they're That's all right. going to come. Breeze, the, the, all their names are going to come up. And look, we, we already know that Brady, Roethlisberger, Breeze are probably the slam dunks. But there's yeah, no Manning. way I put the. Uh, I'm sorry. And Manning. No, no, no. Yeah. Two no. several then, MVPs. James, I, I think, and, and unfortunately, see, Jared, and, and this is the problem, because Neil always says this, Super Bowls shouldn't be the determining factor of why you But they are. I agree with you, but they, but they are. And, and again, if you put Manning's resume just up there and strip away his name and those Super Bowl wins... You look at his you look at his numbers, he's not warranting of getting in. I mean, the Giants were a five hundred ball club with him at quarterback. Mm. Yeah. And, and he led the league in picks like two or three times. Mm. By a lot. And he also <laughs> had two of the best post all of his postseasons were amazing and he had has one of the best winning records uh, in the postseason and he has including uh, some of the best yeah. throws we've ever seen in the history of the NFL in the postseason. Personally, I would be I would be okay seeing Manning going into the hall, but as long as it's not first ballot, that, that would be the key for me. MJ. So let me let, let me throw this out based on something I just heard Neil say. Um, do we think that I don't want to put this. It, to me, as we're having this conversation, it, it almost feels as if getting into the Hall of Fame isn't special anymore. Mm. Because when I look at this list, as excited as I am, and I'm I'm a really big Andre Johnson fan, but when I look at the rest of the list, I, there's nobody special on this list, at least not in my opinion. I'm sure other people might debate me on that. But is it is getting into the Hall of Fame special anymore, mm-hmm. or is it just stacking up on the, uh, a good number of stats throughout my career? Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah since, I, I think ever uh, since Bettis, it's just it's just gone to the dogs. 
Well, I think there's been I think there's been there's been various examples. I think MG, I I I totally agree with you. I think this this year's list does raise the question for me of well, do we actually need to put five in? Because I'm not sure there's five who are worthy. Are we just like you say? Are we just putting guys in because there's nobody else? And then I don't think that's the right way to do it either. I think I think we True. put guys in the Hall of Fame because they're great. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah. uh, and I don't see any. I, I see really, really, really good players here. And apart from Seymour and, and maybe Johnson, I don't see greatness here. All right. Uh, so we're going to table the Hall of Fame for now. We'll find out who the five finalists are next week. Uh, doing the NFL honor ceremony, which is Thursday before the Super Bowl. And speaking of NFL honors, um, let's talk about some of the awards and people potentially in the running to win said awards. And I want to start with comeback player of the year. And looking at the Vegas odds here, they have four names listed. Dak Prescott, Joe Burrow, Nick Bosa, and Carson Wentz. For comeback player of the year, Carson Wentz, really? Uh, <laughs> right, the or Eagles fans. <laughs> well, let's put it this way: there are long odds for Carson Wentz to win comeback player of the year, and I don't even think his name should have been listed. But based, sure? on Vegas, sure? be- based on Vegas betting, <laughs> these are the top four names. And are look, you sure, what- James? Like, it's not the uh, please never come back list. <laughs> I mean, for the for the city of Philadelphia, it is please never come back. I mean, we got what we wanted out of him. We we have this the the solidified three first round draft picks, but I mean, his name is here because I mean, look, he had a crappy twenty twenty, and he, he started he every from? single game for twenty twenty one. What did he come uh, back from? Being a, the Eagles quarterback. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Uh, but okay so enough bagging on Wentz ultimately look I I think we can all agree here this is pretty much going to come down to two names Prescott and Burrow and while we have more recency as far as the Bengals going to the Super Bowl the voting on this was done with like two or three weeks left at the end of the regular season so eliminate what you saw in the playoffs and just consider the regular season who are you taking Prescott or Burrow Neil Anybody but Prescott. Wow. Anybody but Prescott. Your personal bias aside, I mean, Prescott did come back from a broken ankle. And broke Dallas hearts. That's not <laughs> They won their division just like yeah. the Bengals did. And I understand. Made the playoffs. I understand with the timing of the vote, it will be Prescott most likely. But of course, it, it, the, the real answer is Burrow. MJ. Do I have to pick between those two? I mean, it's going to be one of those two, yes. <laughs> uh, and remember, it's, it's only comeback player of the year. It's not like it's league MVP. We'll get to that shortly. When, when, when we say comeback, because you, 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 you talked about Prescott coming back from an ankle injury. Are we? Is, is it comeback from an injury, comeback from a crappy previous season? How are Both. we judging comeback? Comeback players of the years have come back from both. They either had a crappy previous season and come back. They've been benched in one city, played great in the next city, and won the award. Or they've come back from just devastating injury and had a great season. If so, I have to pick between Prescott and Burrow, I'm going with Prescott. But my real answer is Nick Bosa. Really? Why Bosa? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I have I, I, I like Bosa. Um, last year wasn't a particularly great year for him, mm-hmm. and 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 I look at everything he's done this year. To me, he's had it's just mm-hmm. on the field performance from last season to this season. The improvement to me has been lights out. When did he have his ACL? Was that last year or the year before? I uh, want to say it was the we, year before. Was it last? Uh, pandemic time has been weird? I think it was last year, but maybe it yeah, wasn't. Yeah, I think it was last year, early in the season, too. <laughs> yeah. That's a good okay. shot to MJ. It's a good shot. I believe uh, it was then, actually then, in. Then, then, the, then, the bad season, then the bad season I'm speaking of must have been the year before because, yeah, pandemic. But, yeah, no, my real answer would be Nick Bosa. But, again, between the two options I have, Prescott coming back from that ankle injury. Jared? I believe, yeah, I was gonna say, I believe the Bosa injury. I think it was against the Giants in the uh, in New Jersey, if I recall. And then they talked about the they said the field was trash or something. Yeah, because that's that's what like multiple players got hurt. Um, yeah, multiple games in a row because you all lost uh, uh, your running back Saquon in the beginning of Saquon. the season against Pittsburgh. So that would have been two years ago then. So yeah, mm. um, but yeah, so I, for me, I think that Prescott's gonna win this thing by a mile. However, it should have been Burrow because mm-hmm. Prescott it was up and down the second half of the season, and obviously the Dallas just d- died in the playoffs. So, yeah. and how many games did the Bengals win last season? Uh, uh, three, four, four. three or yeah, four. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that one. Maybe it should be just because of the 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 rec- just the the turnaround of, the, and I guess that's the other thing is how much of that turnaround was. Burrow versus the rest of the yeah no no I'm sticking with Prescott. it was mostly Burrow with Prescott okay uh we're going to do that one last or next to last defensive rookie of the year uh do we have any reason to believe it's anybody else other than Michael Parsons no no Neil <laughs> no I think that's fair that's fair okay offensive rookie of the year um if you listen to this podcast then you know that I've been championing. Jamar Chase since like week two. I've never strayed away from Jamar Chase. I think it should be Jamar Chase. But apparently there are some folks out there who believe Mac Jones, quarterback of the Patriots, oh, no. has a shot. <laughs> I I think Mac Jones had a very good year for a rookie quarterback, but rookie quarterbacks are not good typically. So a good year for a rookie quarterback doesn't mean that you're elite like Jamar Chase was elite. So I think it should be Chase, but again, you have to always think about people are stupid and they like overvalue like quarterbacks. Oh God, it's yeah. a quarterback. I'm giving mm-hmm. my vote to him. So and it's also the Patriots. Ugh. It's gonna be it's gonna be a gut punch if he wins. I, think, I wouldn't be surprised. Let's 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 be clear here. Let's not get too much of a hype. Uh, Mike Jones had an acceptable year for a guy. Who maximized his limited talent? I think, uh, and that's then that's fine, good for him, and hopefully that that continues. Now he's lost his offensive coordinator, but the answer here, the answer here is is absolutely without any shadow of a doubt, Jamar uh, Chase should be. Yeah, yeah. MJ, Kyle Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but, yeah, no, Jamar, Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I know but, you would like Kyle, Kyle Pitts to win it, but I mean, Jamar <laughs> Chase pretty much, I mean, I don't know where his stats were, but I know that he was at least top five catches, yards, and touchdowns by a receiver in his rookie year, and he was all pro 
in his rookie season. I, yeah. That normally doesn't happen for wide receivers well, in it, their it rookie season. Yeah, we've just had this conversation about the Hall of Fame and, and looking at stats and all the rest of it. When you see greatness, stats don't matter. Right. True indeed. Yeah, true true yeah. indeed. Exactly. And, and, and look, uh, Justin Herbert won Offensive Rookie of the Year last year, but he had stellar yeah. numbers despite them only winning like four games last year. Mac Jones, yeah, they made the playoffs, but they nushed him through it. that season. Yeah, he, he didn't have anything manager. really close to Herbert numbers. And, no. and for me, no, he shouldn't even be mentioned. All right. Again, I, I said it before, every time the Patriots came up, Mac Jones is a serviceable quarterback who yeah. fits into Belichick's system. I mean, uh, even I would even say game manager is being very generous. Generous, yeah. Ooh. No, no, yeah. really, it is. Uh, watch yeah. the tr- go back and watch some Patriots games this season. You, you'll you'll see what, what, what I'm saying. They, they held his hand all the way through that season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, defensive player of the year. Uh, names out there: T.J. Watt, Micah Parsons, Aaron Donald, Miles Garrett, Trayvon Diggs, uh, Robert Quinn, Nick Bosa, Darius Leonard. And again, this is done. The voting's done. Two or three weeks before the season ends. Season huh? ends, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, now, and the, the names are re- again. Remember, the names are reading off are just odds-on favorites according to mm-hmm. Vegas betting. Mm-hmm. So, if there's someone else you think should be out there, mm-hmm. no, I think uh, I'm. I'm very happy with to. Uh, I'd be very happy to see uh, T.J. Watt win it. I think he's he's been a difference maker. Very. I, I think he, in in many respects, he is the reason. The, the Steelers got so close to... Well, they did get to the playoffs, didn't they, in the end? They did make the playoffs. And yeah, but, uh, he was responsible for their lone yeah. touchdown score against... Or at yeah. least their first touchdown and score against the it, uh, Chiefs. If it had been including all the regular season and the playoffs, then I think uh, Aaron Donald would be right up there again because he's been superb in the last couple of games. But uh, I think uh, I think going on, on, on the, the season that we saw uh, when the voting was, was open, then I, for me, it has to be what I can't see anybody else. I mean, right, I'll slow back around to that, Neil, in a minute. But uh, MJ, go ahead. Aaron Donald. Really? Okay. Uh, Jarrett? Ab- absolutely for me is Aaron Donald. Uh, he's the best player defensively this year. The downside for him, obviously, is he doesn't play a sexy position. But he was mm-hmm. the best. He 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 was so much better than uh, the second best player at his position. Um that it shouldn't even be a question that it should be Aaron Donald, but I um, mean, the second best player actually plays for Pittsburgh, which is Cam Hayward. Um, so TJ Watt does have a lot of help on that defense. That front mm-hmm. seven is actually very good. Yeah. Um, he, yeah. Watt so, is definitely free, much more free than Donald is. Donald's, okay. Yeah. And this is what I wanted to loop around to. Um, if Donald doesn't get it this year, is it because that pretty much he's won the award three times already? And maybe there is a fatigue and constantly look. I, I get that he is. It's the LeBron thing. Well, it's there's not also sexy. Yeah, there's also the stats thing, and I know we just said stats, not not the greatest I, thing. I know, greatest, but he but did have a he, season where he had over twenty sacks. Yeah, he equaled equaled the record, didn't he? He equaled the stack record. Uh, T.J. His Watt position did. is yeah. His position isn't sexy. If he mm-hmm. if 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 this were offensive player of the year, and it was say Tom Brady and Brady wanted, say, the last four out of six years, I don't think we'd be asking the question of 
if he doesn't win it, is it just because of fatigue? I think it's because his position isn't sexy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, one thing that just came up before we move too far on is uh, it looks like uh, Doug Peterson, James, is going to be the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh, wow. <laughs> really? Over yeah. Leftwich. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Don't that's don't a, say it. That's a not, even, not even memeing. It's, Adam Schechter tweeted it's got to be true. Oh, my goodness gracious. We, we will save that for next week um, when it's reported by multiple news sources. I, I love <laughs> Shefty, but uh, after this weekend, <laughs> I think people are waiting for other sources first. <laughs> well, we, we will hold on to that, and we will move on to Offensive Player of the Year. And uh, according to Vegas betting, there are only two names listed. I, I think we know one is probably far and away going to win it as opposed to the other, but they are Cooper Cup, wide receiver of the Rams, and Jonathan Taylor, running back of the Colts. MJ. Between those two, I got to go with Cooper Cup. Jared? Uh, they're very close for me, but a gun to my head, I would go Cup, I think, but they're close in my opinion. And Neil? Yeah, I think uh, the Cup runneth over. <laughs> yeah i think we're all in agreement here look and, and, I, and i would love for it to be taylor based on what he did this year um but cup got the triple crown um he led the league in catches yards and touchdowns which is a very rare thing to do and hasn't been done in like nine or ten seasons since the last receiver did it plus, um, plus he's done it with a terrible quarterback <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Hey now! Don't let I'm Monty the only hear one you. Who gets to rag on um, Stafford? <laughs> uh, Monty knows he is welcome to fight on this podcast any day of the week. Uh, before we get to MVP, Coach of the Year, and uh, the based on the betting odds in Vegas. Let's see here. They have Mike Rabel of Tennessee, Zach Taylor of Cincinnati, and Matt Lafleur of Green Bay. Um, are we okay with those three names? Is there anybody else you would think deserves consideration? Give me the rundown, uh, James. Uh, Lafleur, Taylor, and Rabel. Okay. Neil. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, I think it's got to be Zach Taylor for me. Uh, taking them from 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 worst to first uh, in the division, yeah. and then and then now all the way through to the, to the Super Bowl. Uh, incredible story, but I, and this is an award I always think is goes to somebody who's been really successful. Where sometimes coaches, I mean, for me, I think I would I would have if if I had to choose one guy, I would I'd probably have chosen uh, Cully at Houston because I think what he did with limited talent and also all the all the limited, you're being generous. Tried yeah, none, yeah, and and all the hoo ha around around various with Watson and. And 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 because the Easter Bunny and all the rest of it, I think that uh, uh, to to do the job he did there and and see them play hard week in week out right through the season, mm-hmm. I thought that was a phenomenal job. Uh, and you'd have to say the the Raiders guy who came in and took on Sachi, yeah. uh, Sachi, yeah. so and he's not offensive. even keeping his job. Yeah, and so many off the field issues there as well with Gruden and with the the wide receiver and and various things. I thought he did a, 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 a outstanding job too. But uh, I think obviously they're looking for some guy who's won a division or something. So I, 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 I take Taylor from your list. All right, MJ. 
Taylor, what he did with the Bengals from last year to this year, hands down. All right, Jared. I actually think it's a terrible list. Uh, I, I think Vrabel should be in the conversation, but not the other two. And for okay. me, I would be looking at uh, Frank Reich for the Colts. I'd be looking at uh, Bill Belichick with the Patriots and Mike Tomlin with the Steelers, which obviously are not sexy names for this. But the Steelers had no quarterback. They had no offensive line. And they still made the playoffs. The Patriots have – that's got to be the worst roster that Belichick has ever had. And they still made the playoffs. They had the playoffs, yeah. And then Reich's team had Carson Wentz, and they almost went to the playoffs. Like, <laughs> that's saying something in my in my book. Um, oh, and so I think those are all more impressive because I think I think when you look at Lafleur, how much of it is Lafleur versus how much of it is Aaron Rodgers being an MVP quarterback for mm-hmm. however many years he's been. Um, and then the same thing with Zach Taylor. Like uh, uh, Burrow is, was is definitely one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Period. And he called. He even admitted he called a lot of his own plays because I think he, I think he said even in the Tennessee game his headset went out and he just called all the plays and he's like wow. it's weird they all worked. So, <laughs> well, but on that sort of rationale, you could probably say it should be Joe Judge for uh, for getting four wins. <laughs> no, Dude, we're not <laughs> getting any kind of wins with Glennon or Fromm would have been impressive. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> oh my god! But he got uh, unfortunately for him, he they didn't get that many. I don't think they got any wins with Fromm or uh, Glennon. I think it was just all Daniel Jones before he died this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I think my choice just look on the list or not. I do like what Vable did, even though, you know, again, this is regular season, not post. And yeah, they did flop in their lone playoff game. But the fact that you you had to cobble this team and make, you know, have it rally around itself and have be the number one seed in the AFC. And you were missing Derrick Henry for nine games, basically the focal point of your offense gone. And you had to get this defense to play better. You had to get Tannehill to pretty much be, slightly better than a game manager because he had to actually control some of these games and, and put them on his shoulder um, to have, the, I mean, win a division. Okay. We knew that was a foregone conclusion based on who's in it, but y- you outlasted the chiefs for the one seed. I'm, I'm for, for me, that says it all right there. Like you, you didn't have your best weapon. I mean, they, they also had a litany of injuries as well on, on defense. Um, especially they had a in the ton secondary. of energies. They were the most injured team until the Giants and Washington uh, right. Commanders took it took it from them. But yeah, I mean they they had their fair share of injuries. So I I have to from 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 what is worth. I mean for me, it's Rabel just based on that. I mean, winning the division would have been good enough, but you you got the best record in your conference. So that that's where it sits for me. Um, MVP and. Again, this is just based on betting odds, but I think after the first two names, no one really thinks anybody else has a chance. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Joe Burrow, Jonathan Taylor, Cooper Cup, Josh Allen, and Patrick Mahomes are the betting favorites. But like I said, do we really think anybody else has a chance outside of Brady and Rodgers? No. Yes. Oh, I think now. Uh, MJ, who, who else do you think, think has a shot outside I think of those Burrow two? Has, I think Burrow has a shot. Really? 
Yes. Again, I think it goes, uh, part of it, a big part of it goes to last year, last year's record, what they turned around and did with this year's, and, and, and this year's record. But just based on season performance, you would actually say Joe Burrow, best quarterback this season? Because, I mean, l- let's, let's be real. The MVP is basically best quarterback of the year, unfortunately, instead of just best player in the league for the season. Yes, I honestly believe Joe Burrow played better than um, Brady and Karen. All right. Neil, I, I don't think I quote your answer on anybody outside of Brady or Rodgers. Yeah, no, I think uh, if it's if it's based on if it's based on just those regular that those regular season games, I think it probably has to be Rodgers. But if I was, this is where it gets really annoying because actually for me, it, it's Burrow. Like like uh, like MJ says, he is uh, he has been just the story of uh, the last few weeks of the season in the playoffs. And unfortunately, playoffs won't count. <laughs> no, exactly. I mean, uh... Jared, for me, it's hands down Brady, but. Uh, it's probably going to be Rodgers, but I think Brady's more deserving. He had uh, more yards, more touchdowns, all that kind of good stuff. His team uh, was well poised in the in uh, their conference. Obviously, they, had a, they won their division, um, and it's Tom Brady. Like he to do it to to lead the the league and yards and touchdowns and all those stats for a forty four year old. That's an MVP to me. I mean, maybe they could have the MVVP in the most the most valuable vaccinated player. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh man! Oh, thanks, Neil. Needed that. Ne- needed that. Um, my vote probably going to Brady as well. And you know. Mm. As much as I would not want to give it to either player because I hate the fact that this award is pretty much now for the best quarterback of the season, and that's Mm -hmm. basically what it's been reduced to. It's Mm -hmm. almost like no other player can have a good season outside of a quarterback. But, I mean, since this, it is what it is, I I would pick Tom. I I hear what you two are saying about Joe Burrow. I get it. Um, But Brady's numbers did dwarf his, and again, we haven't seen a quarterback his age put up those numbers. Typically, once quarterbacks hit 40 um, and they're still trying to hold on, they're struggling to reach these marks. And, I mean, even late 44 30s. just. Wow. Yeah. James, what would it take, or, or all you guys, what, what would it take for a non-quarterback to win that award? Uh, it would take a defensive for... It's a player. It would take a, for me, it would take a defensive player um, that would have like ten to fifteen interceptions plus, um, and also have given up like no yards, and just been like, you're like that's the best player that steps on the field of every single one of their games. Or it's going to take like an Aaron Donald type of player getting like twenty five sacks, and then they're like, okay, that guy's the MVP. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So a lot. Yeah, take a lot. It, it really is. It's going to have to be a record-breaking performance. And uh, Dick Lane, defensive back of the Detroit Lions, still holds the record, um, both all-time and rookie, for interceptions in the season with 14. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. no one's really come. I think the most anyone's gotten close to that is like 
12 a couple of times. Mm. That's as close as anyone's gotten to that record. No, no one's really approached, you know, threatened 14, really. Like I said, 12 is the max. So for a DB to have to be something of that nature, they have to have double-digit picks in a season. Um, and again, give up limited yardage and probably zero touchdowns. What about, um, if, what about if Cooper Cup had got those extra 40 or 50 yards and made it to 2,000? Would you have had a shot then? Yes. I don't think so. Because still, yeah, like, I, he, he, all his success runs through the quarterback. That That is true. But again, his quarterback led the league in interceptions. So that helps. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if, if Cup had broken 2,000 yards, yeah. But unfortunately, no receiver has broken 2,000 yards. I mean, what the closest we get... Cup now is the closest to do it because he's set the record, or did he, or did, was he a few yards? No, he did. He did. He did break the record. No, he set the record. He set, he the, set record the record because yeah. when 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 he did it, there was questions as to whether or not there needed to yeah. be an asterisk by his name because, because of the seventeenth game. game. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, if and, I had to pick somebody, I'm sorry. Go ahead, James. No, I'm saying like for wide receiver, yes, the two thousand yards. Same thing for a running back. It has to no. be a two thousand yard season. No, no, I don't think so. I think for a running back, it needs to be more because we've had that before two or three times, haven't we? Chris Jones did it. Um... See, for me, for a running back, it's got to be touchdowns. Yeah. Okay. Because so Damian Tomlinson. Tomlinson has yeah. the record. Is it twenty eight or twenty nine? It's somewhere close to thirty. I just yeah. can't remember the exact number. So for me, for a running back, you got you've got a not just I don't I don't want one more touchdown than Ladanian's record. I want like three or four. I want you to clearly show you own this position. So yeah, I need three or four more touchdowns in a single season than Ladanian. If I'm going defense, I'm gonna need twenty-five sacks. Again, because I want I don't want just, you know, one above the current yeah, single exactly. season mm -hmm. leader. Okay. I want like three or four to clearly shattering show. the records basically. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah I, th I think if I, if I was a running back, I'd want I'd want the touchdowns like like uh, like MJ is saying. I'd also want at least two thousand two hundred and fifty yards uh, to, yeah. to to break that record. Plus I'd want to see a a, a very, very high average uh, yards per run, something like five and a half, six yards per run. Mm. Jared, yeah, that, that's the thing. Like add, adding on to my DB and my defensive line, I would say that for an offensive side, I would say for running back, I'd want a minimum fifteen eight hundred yards running, plus at least twenty touchdowns rushing, and I'd want to see um, them being a very good use in the receiving game with at least like five touchdowns receiving and like a couple hundred yards minimum. But then we had last what was it last year, the year before McCaffrey had uh, didn't he Did get a thousand thousand. And yeah. he didn't get any, did, probably didn't even get a vote over you. No, he, I mean, he, he, I wonder if he has more votes than Russell Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> he probably did. Uh, but I mean, he didn't get, he didn't get consideration for MVP. Obviously he did get consideration for uh, offense player of the year. Yeah. Which just kind of turned into the non-quarterback award. Right. And, and that's basically what's happened. The best offensive player did not win MVP because it's not a quarterback. And I think, you know, that that's where it's been resigned to, which sucks because MVP should be best overall player, offense, or defense. And I think to this point, uh, was it Lawrence Tiller still the only defensive player to win MVP? Yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. As, as far yeah. as I know, yeah. And, I mean, the only wide receiver who's come close to winning MVP is Jerry Rice. 
and I don't even think he won it. I mean, and the last running back was was it Tomlinson or Peterson? I think Peterson shared it. Didn't he share it one year with Manning? I don't know. Maybe he did. I think he did. Has Moss never been in the running? No. But yeah, it was either B L L T or AP, one of the two. Mm-hmm. But Moss isn't Moss the single season touchdown leader? With twenty five in a season? Uh yeah. I mean, I don't know how many yards he had that year, but I thought he would. I was, I was pretty sure he was. Uh, well, that was the year the Patriots went perfect. So, ah, okay. Tom Brady probably got it that year. Yeah, no receiver has won it. Like I said, the closest was, and I can't remember which year it was, but Jerry Rice was the only receiver who basically had a snowball's chance of winning. The last running back was Adrian Peterson in twenty twelve. Tomlinson's was 06. But uh, yeah, the last eight, nine winners have been quarterbacks. Hmm. And Rodgers did win it last year. Yeah, like again, like I mentioned Chris Jones earlier, like that year he broke 2,000 yards rushing. I don't think he had any MVP, MVP votes. And he I had over 2,500 a year. Yeah, and he was. And he had over 2,500 yards from scrimmage that year. So I mean, you you need a you need a lot of yards as a running back to have a chance. Yeah. Uh, Neil, uh, something for you to hang your hat on. Mark Mosley, the only kicker to win the award. That's correct. Yes, I that would be back. <laughs> was that was that the early nineties? Uh, eighty two. Oh, early eighties. My goodness, my goodness. Yeah, Mark Mosley, great kicker, of course. Great. I, th- I have a funny feeling he might be something like Washington's last Oprah or something. <laughs> one, of those, one of those things. Well, you no, know. because the next year Joe Theismann won it. Hey, Joe Theismann, yeah. And, and the Washington player hasn't even sniffed the award since. No, not to say. <laughs> Although, I do think uh, there was a season when we won the Super Bowl with uh, Doug Williams. What was that, 80, 94 or so, 92 or something? It was uh... Uh, 86 or 87, I believe. Oh no 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 no! It was after that, I'm sure. But anyway, whatever but, it was, that was a great that was a great year. I love that. Wasn't it? Yeah. Wasn't it against the Bills? Yeah, it was. What, yeah. When, yeah, if it was against the Bills, then it would have been early '90s, so been '90 to '94 somewhere in there. Oh, who you mean, Mark Rippin? No. Oh well, Rippin won one. We won three, didn't we? One, we won this, one in the sort of '70s, and then one in the late '80s, and one in the '90s, or two in the '90s. And, two in and the and '80s, one in the '90s. Yeah, Williams won. We certainly beat Buffalo. And no, Williams beat Denver. Oh, Denver. Beat Denver? Oh. Yeah, yeah. Denver, Denver and Buffalo. I, I with Timmy Smith. That's right. Yeah. Ripping, ripping beat Buffalo. Oh, I oh love it was ripping. Okay. Yeah, it's hard to remember those guys. That's uh, weird. I thought we it was the Bills, so, too. We, we won so many Super Bowls back then. It's hard to remember which one. <laughs> it's only three, <laughs> Neil. <laughs> I mean, the NFC, the and East, I mean, we, we have a lot Raiders. of Super Bowls. So Yeah, we do, yeah. We're the only we're the only division of football that every team has won in the Super Bowl. Oh my gosh! Okay, yeah. we're not going to go down this road. Um, do we, do we have anything to add for this week? Uh, anything we want to tee up for the Super Bowl next week, or do we want to talk about the conference championships for like a brief minute here because we're going kind of long? Uh, go Bengals! <laughs> well, well, the one thing I would the one thing I would add is I just do not understand how the Rams can be favorite in this game because. Burrow, They're technically at home. Yeah, but really, the Bengals are going to win this game. Uh, 
Burrow is the best quarterback. Uh, he's, he's going to carry them all the way through. I don't know been, about that, Neil. They've, they've went Bengals to, O-line is trash. They've went to Tennessee and won. They've been to Kansas City twice and won. Yeah. Who have, who have the Rams beaten this year? Who? Who have they beaten? Nobody. All I'm saying <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo. Stafford was in Detroit. Finally. Never won after six tries. Okay. <laughs> just have a look. here in L.A., he goes to the Super Bowl. Yeah, but just, just have a look at who they've played. Have a look at who they've played and have a look at who the Bengals have played. I mean, the Bengals have beaten the Ravens, Neil, the Ravens Neil, twice. Neil, Neil, every, everybody's a professional football player at this level, and you can only play the teams on your schedule. I mean, yeah, I Jacksonville but... has won. Jacksonville won games this season. Miami yeah, won Jacksonville games beat this Buffalo. season. The, <laughs> hold on, the yeah, worst hold... team in this uh... league this year won some games. So yeah, but, but I don't. MJ... I don't, I don't MJ, you can't. Yeah, go who goes? Who goes to Kansas City and who goes to Kansas City and wins twice in a season? That is impressive. That's oh impressive. no, they didn't win twice. The first game, the regular season matchup was in Cincinnati. Okay, still be still be. I don't think it was, but still be Kansas. It was. It was. Ram, no, no. The the regular I, season I, game was in Cincinnati. I got it. The Rams oh. beat the Seahawks twice. Oh, there we go. Wow, we're not doing okay. this. No, we're not. All right. No, I changed my I changed my pick. The Rams are going to win it easily if it might if they can beat a powerhouse like the Seahawks. Oh twice. God! Stop! Stop! Uh, do we, do we any parting shots before we get out of here? MJ, go go Hawks. Yeah. I said at the begin. I said at the beginning of this season that that seventeenth game would kind of throw a monkey wrench into the season, and we have Matthew Stafford in the Super Bowl. Oh gosh, Neil! Anything that's not Seahawks related, uh, go Squawks! Oh, sh- <laughs> Jared, are you gonna do the same thing? I already said go Hawks. So, oh lord! Um, so let's go. go I, I think I, I hope the Bengals win. Uh, if they don't win, then I'm glad Stafford and Aaron Donald got a ring. Oh mm-hmm. lord! I, I'm gonna wrap it up for these knucklehead jabronis uh tune in next week when we will devote everything to the super bowl and additional coaching hires uh should they happen we will also cover prop bets so uh texans james this is to you get your get get those ready for next week uh for mj for neil for jared and our special guest joy uh i am james your eagles fan signing off so you all can enjoy the rest of your day <laughs> trying to do the challenge of finding the mysterious pod is there somebody else here now oh geez oh. nice dude let's go <laughs> get out of my face i'm running out of breath and also out of energy i'm gonna see you later bye